the blast from our past network. Hi, this is Brian Usna. I'm the director of Return to the Living Dead Part 3 and a down and dirty horror fan. And I like podcasting after dark because it goes where I like to go. Lock your doors, close your windows, turn out your lights, for chills and thrills await you. It's time for Podcasting After Dark with your hosts, Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. Stay with a friend, say your prayers as grisly ghouls close in to seal your doom. Tonight's episode, Prison, starring Vigo Mortensen, Lane Smith, and Chelsea Field. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Podcasting After Dark. This week, we are talking about the criminally underrated and underappreciated Rennie Harlan joint prison. I'm Corey. And I'm Zach. Doom, doom. <laughs> doom, doom. That, that's the sound oh. of a cell, cell door closing. Or or that was the sound of uh, ba- uh, band's uh, musical score, which I absolutely oh, loved Band. in this movie. <laughs> hey, Another... we're jumping right in. <laughs> yeah, we are. Um, I mean, well, the fact that this movie came out in 1988, but it really was made in 1986, oh, I guess okay. it came out. Okay, so I was having conflicting information online. Uh, I think IMDb says 1987, which I guess they just cut the difference, and they were just like, <laughs> we'll just put it right hey. in the middle. Um, so I was actually a little bit confused as to when this came out. I think, okay, so I think it was made in 86. It was it was supposed to come out in 87, but got shelved until 88 because Empire Pictures, sadly, um, imploded, right? Imploded. Empire Pictures being Albert Band's, uh, Charles Band's father, Charles Charles Band of Full Moon Entertainment, uh, and Richard Band's father, and his production company Empire Pictures, which at, which put out some quality stuff, including Terrorvision. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yep. it, it, a, a lot of stuff actually on the documentary they were they were talking about, and you guys at this point we've probably talked so much about Empire. Uh, I, keep, I always want to say Empire Records, you know, but uh, at yeah. this point we've talked so much about it that I think you you all have a, a good history of it if you've been listening to the podcast sort of in order at this point. Yeah, dude. Uh, yeah, if, if if for those new fans who don't know what Empire Pictures is or the history behind it. Just do a little little searching on the webs and uh, and and do some digging if you're interested in B level uh, horror sci fi. Some being schlocky, some being like this, which is a minor masterpiece. Some might say <laughs> you're, uh, <laughs> you're preaching to the choir, baby. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, Odorial rules. Uh, so <laughs> totally I, different movie. <laughs> I, yeah, totally. Um, yeah, Empire Pictures. So this came out in 88. I remember my brother Eric. He rented it for me. Yeah, so uh, real quick before you dive into your backstory, well, let me just yeah. say this is uh, this is Zach's pick. Uh, so Zach is going to be A, advocating the movie, and B, breaking the movie down as per usual. And as seems to be per usual with me, I have never seen this film, but I ac- <laughs> absolutely remember the VHS cover and the, uh, the, you know, the backside of the cover and everything. So that is literally my only familiarity with the, the movie. Um, I, uh, I'll probably 
probably be talking about it a lot, but I, I love Rennie Harlan. Um, the Adventures of Ford Fairlane is one of my favorite movies of all time. <laughs> we will probably do it on this podcast at some point, even oh, though it yeah. kind of – it yeah. doesn't fit, but it's sort of – it's like adjacent sort of. Um, no, it's going to open up a tra- – it's going to open up a floodgate of, of – similar genre titles i i think so i think we're gonna dive into into um you know raunchy comedies at some point um but uh but yeah that's that's my experience with this movie and uh so zach what what is your background on it as you were saying eric rented it for you guys oh my my good brother my good brother eric rented this for us in the video store and i yeah again like you said i remember the box cover art of this skull with a prison cell behind it uh, and not being all that intrigued, especially by the title. It's not, yes. it's, it's just a terrible title. It's like The yeah. Cell. Or actually, if it was called The Prison, it might be a little bit more impactful, but it's just oh, Prison. Good. No, good. That's actually a really, really good point. Uh, prison is a much more subdued version of The Prison. And I yeah. think you're right. That, that was probably what the, the, the cover is just not that impressive. Although, I mean, I get what they were going for, but it just really was not that impressive or, or, or you know, grabbing of a cover. Yeah, you you had put up on the on our Instagram page uh, the, the 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 revised art, which is really cool. Uh, but then I flipped it over to the the original art just because I'm I love nostalgia. Obviously, we're doing this podcast and there's a, a huge piece of nostalgia in there. But uh the when I was a kid, I thought it was ho hum, and then I think Fangoria might have done a cover story. If they didn't do a cover story, it might have been Gorezone actually that did a cover story for Prison with the iconic shot of Wallace, the prison guard, being wrapped up in barbed wire, yeah, uh, on that chair, which I had mistakenly thought was an electric chair, and I said that on another earlier. It might have been on a wrap up episode that we did. Uh, so I. My my bad, but well, uh, well, I mean, I I think you you must have been in sync with me because as a kid, I always thought that that was him being wrapped up in barbed wire on an electric chair. I yeah, always we, thought that that's what that image was because that's the image that's on the back of the cover, right? Yeah, of course, I was in sync with you. That's just how we roll. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, no, I saw this as a kid. My brother rented it, and I mean, from the opening to the ending, I I loved it as a kid. And I equally love it as much now, if not maybe more. I'm t- it's just turning into my regular thing. I watched it with uh, Diallo, uh, and he cool. it, he even said the same thing. He was like, he's like, this is this is a really underrated film. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's definitely underappreciated, especially when you go on IMDb and it's got like a five point eight. But whatever, I don't even listen to that stuff. No, I, I never um, check other people's ratings on that. At this point, uh, you, uh, Luke, Eric, are are you know people like Tony and and the people who listen to the podcast. You guys are all the 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 rating system that I care about at this point. You know, yeah. my, my peers. That's that's all I care about. Yeah, no doubt. Me, I'm in the same same boat. Same boat. And um, yeah, so this came on eighty eight. Empire Pictures and Rennie Harlan directed it. Uh, Rennie Harlan, as you said, of Fort Fairlane fame, um, but you know, Die Rennie Hard Harlan, Two, Die Hard Two, Cliffhanger, uh, Deep Blue Sea, yeah. Nightmare on Elm Street Part Four, Four. I think it might have yeah. been, yeah, which mm-hmm. is a really good, in my opinion, one of the one of the better 
I, yeah. Nightmare films. <laughs> yeah. Um, by the way, quick plug. Uh, my wife and I saw Birds of Prey the other night and uh, look for that review to drop on Ongoing Comic Book Discussion Podcast this week. But uh, we were in Hot Topic and they have a fantastic Nightmare on Elm Street 4 uh, t-shirt or like long sleeve t-shirt. And they really oh. like like bumped up the um, the neon hues of it. And it just it looks fantastic. Oh, cool! I, I could dig that. Okay, yeah. Swing Let's... on by a hot topic. We did. We do not get sponsorship by them, but we we probably <laughs> should. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> that's awesome. Well, at one point we will get we will get some of their sponsorship. Um, probably. Erwin <laughs> Yamblin Yablins did the story. Uh, he's known for working on Halloween, the original mm-hmm. Halloween. Yep. Uh, and see Courtney Joyner, where when his name popped up as the screen who wrote the screenplay. I was like, I know that name. And I went up on IMDb and I said, of course I know that name. He wrote almost every full moon movie that came out back in the day. <laughs> um, I'll just run down a few of his titles, some of my personal favorites, and then some of the ones that might make you chuckle and your cuckle. Uh, Dr. Mordred, which I love. I love Dr. Mordred. Um, Lurking Fear. Mm. Uh, Puppet Master 3, Toulon's Revenge, which is better than Puppet Master 2 in my opinion. Um, and then Class of 1999, which is the sequel to Class, Class of 1984. And and a uh, movie that we will be reviewing because I used to watch that as a kid because I liked Pam Greer and you got to see her Hooters in it. <laughs> or I think they were I think they were like plastic uh, Hooters because she was like a robot. <laughs> they were, and I remember being disappointed by that because I'm like, oh, that's not real. Uh, but 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 to mention one that is, uh, he also wrote the film Veronica 2030. Um, hmm. And I'm just going to leave it at that. Okay. Okay. <laughs> because right, that, very... is, that, that would be up your alley for sure. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'll have to go down that route. <laughs> but I'll run down the cast really quick. I mean, it's, in my opinion, it's a who's who of, of A-list actors. Yeah. A-list being really good actors. Yeah. They may not I, get the recognition they deserve. I mean, but... spoiler alert, Viggo Mortensen's in this for yeah. crying out okay. loud. So Viggo Mortensen... Uh, need I say more? He this was one of his first movies, I think. Um, Witness, which is yeah, a this, great. Uh, yeah. yeah, the the documentary that's on this. I, I don't mean to cut you off, but um, no, no. the the documentary on on this Shot Factory Blu-ray is fantastic. It's like forty minutes long, and they get so many people that they talk to: the screenwriter, the the producer, Rennie Harlan, uh, Kane Hodder, who does all the the stunt work in this. Um, but uh, they said on there on the documentary that uh, they originally, who they actually wanted, wanted like like actively was like wanted to pursue was Tom Matthews. That is who they wanted for this film. And I thought that was fantastic. Now, granted they went with Viggo Mortensen because they said right when they saw him, they were like, you know, he did his, his audition. They were like, Oh my goodness, you're that you're it. But uh, I love the fact that, that they were actually looking at Tom Matthews and shameless plug, go listen to our interview with Tom Matthews currently on the uh, free feeds right now, but it lives, uh, for this month, but it lives permanently on our Patreon page. So you can listen to it uh, anytime you want on our Patreon page, along with all of our other interviews. But we interviewed Tom Matthews, and he was super, super cool. So I was just, I was happy to hear his name pop up here. And yeah, it was, I was like, I was like, oh yeah, this, I was like, this is right around his heyday, like his his peak, I mean, I, I don't mean to, to crap on him, but like peak genre era, you know? No, I was going to say, yeah, uh, Tom Matthews at that time was a bigger draw i think um 
for for this particular genre of film. And Viggo Mortensen was a relatively unknown. I mean, he had a small role as an Amish guy in Witness. So just to give you an idea of what an Amish person sounds like in Witness, yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> I, I don't think he, he even had a line in that. Um, but yeah, he was an Amish guy in Witness. I don't think he had many before that. And then obviously he is the, who he is today. Because yeah. uh, even Diallo's like, oh, I, I just remember him as Aragon. And I'm like, uh, I'm like, dude, <laughs> I remember him from prison. Because I remember when I first <laughs> saw him come on the screen, I'm like, that guy is James Dean incarnate. Like yeah. he looks just like James and, Dean. And, and he's always... He's always been good looking, but yeah. like, dude, I was, I was like, Jesus, he is a beautiful man in this movie. And I mean, he's, he's aging so well. He does not look that much younger. And yet this no. was like, you know, 30 years ago. And I'm yeah, like, the guy's man, be almost... what's Vigo been, been smoking? Cause he, he ages, he's aging very well. He eats, uh, you know, he's probably vegan and, yeah, uh, probably. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you yeah, know, I mean, he looks phenomenal. I was like, oh, to quote Steve Brule, he's a hunk. He is a hunk. <laughs> uh, run down the rest of the cast. Chelsea Field plays Catherine, and she's she's like um she's like a prison board uh invest like not an investigator but she's on the prison board kind of looking into the whole prison system. And, and can I say where I know her yeah. from? Please do. <laughs> she was Tila in the Masters of the Universe film. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, honestly, that's what I mostly remember her from. Yeah, she was also in Dust Devil. Uh, Richard Stanley's Dust Devil. And oh, was she the main? Was she the main uh, protagonist in that? Yep. Yep. Uh, see, yep. that's funny. I mean, you guys all listen to our hardware episode. Um, you all know that that I've tried to watch Dust Devil a couple times. As much as I love Richard Stanley, I've tried, and I just it never really sort of clicked with me. And it's still yeah. like on my to do to go back and rewatch it. But for some reason lately, Dust Devil has been popping up on on the on our feed and stuff. And and I feel like there's a bunch of synchronicity telling me to go watch Dust Devil. And then right here now, you telling me that she was in it. I'm like, okay. I, I hear you, universe. I need to go watch Dust Devil. Well, I, I'll give you another one of hers to watch before Dust Devil, and that would be Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man. Oh, oh I'm already a fan of that, buddy. Dude. I love – and she was in uh, The Last Boy Scout, too, which I love as well. She was. Yeah, she she had a really good run. Uh, she was married – I don't know if she was married to him, but she was with Scott Bakula for the longest time. Um, oh, okay. And again, to shout out to Diallo, he, uh, it's you know he's a huge – Quantum Leap Scott Bakula fan, so that piqued his interest when I told him that. Hey, uh, uh, I hate I hate Scott Bakula. I can't stand that dude. Oh, so. oh wow, <laughs> Dem's fighting words, dude. Uh, not for me. I mean, whatever. Come see, come saw. But um, uh, then there's Lane Smith, and it's really funny because if you go on IMDb, they're like Lane Smith, known for Red Dawn, and I'm like, yeah, but he was. I, I, Diallo pointed out he was in My Cousin Vinny. That was his most memorable role for me. Yeah. I mean, he's in so much. And, and right yeah. when I saw him, it was, yeah, I was like, oh, man, I, I recognize him. Uh, he's in Son-in-Law, The the Mighty Ducks. Uh, I kind of do personally remember him mostly from Red Dawn because that was very much in my wheelhouse growing up. Um, but I got to say, he stole the show in this movie. Oh, dude. Lane Smith was absolutely 
outstanding. I was, I could literally only, like, the best word I can describe was was riveting. I was just riveted by his performance the entire freaking time. Uh, they did say on the documentary that he went a little method, or at least Hay- uh, Kane Hodder yeah. was saying that, that he went a little method and he was kind of like a dick on set, but then Kane Hodder said, uh, he was like, at the time I thought he was kind of a dick, but then he was like, later when I went on to do, to do Jason Voorhees, he was like, I kind of got it. He's like, I kind of understand the need to sort of try and stay in the character and and if you are sort of the bad guy to kind of stay away from the other actors who are playing though because you just don't want them to be that familiar with you you know and uh but he was great lane smith was fantastic yeah he stayed in character the whole time apparently um which is which makes sense because yeah i'm right there with you like he he lived and breathed and shat that character of sharp he plays the warden um, we'll get into a little bit of the backstory as we go into the movie, yeah. but he plays the warden in the film. And I forgot to mention Vigo Mortensen plays Burke and another character, but I'll get to uh, that later. Yeah. Yeah. Let's sort we'll of figure out a time to discuss that because uh, I had, I was confused by that. And then the documentary sort of, um, opened my eyes about what was going on there. But yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll come to that when we, when we cross that bridge. Yeah. So the rest of the cast that I'm going to go through, a lot of them are the prisoners in the prison. Uh, they have all have like equal kind of billing in my opinion. So I'll just run through them really quickly just because there's some connections to other podcasting after dark films. Um, Lincoln Kilpatrick plays Croesus, and he's, he's like an, uh, he has a very, he's probably the most important, um, prison extra in the film prison supporting prisoner in the film. Uh, and then he, so he you don't really like, know that until, until later, essentially yeah, to but the yeah, very end yeah. almost. And then he put, he was in a, another prison film called fortress, which is one, yep. of, one of my favorite, um, kind of straight to video, uh, Christopher Lambert prison movies. We, very, we've discussed that multiple times, uh, Fortress we on, have. on the podcast. Yeah, Jeffrey I think Combs I, is in I, that. I think I've only ever seen it once, and um, we probably need to go back to it because I, at the time and, and up until we talked about it, I did not know it was a Stuart Gordon movie. So yes. I, I would love to actually revisit Prison because I think I just saw it when I was like a kid, you know, on VHS. It came out in 92, so I probably watched it in like 92 or 93. Oh, dude, I watched that thing incessantly back in the day but um yeah that 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 i could see us reviewing that down the road because it's i remember it being good but i haven't seen it in years um tom everett plays rabbit Mm -hmm. and tom everett uh, was in the executioner uh that's the connection to podcasting after dark but i remember him from one of my favorite movies of all time best of the best the Mm. eric roberts martial art movie uh and then ivan kane who plays lasagna yeah uh, he's like this Italian kind of guy. He's he's, in my opinion, a very lovable character in the movie. He was in because I'm like I know this guy from something. What what else was he in? What else was he in? And uh, he was in well, he was in On Deadly Ground, which was a Steven Seagal movie. He's just a character actor. Uh, I thought he was in the movie Lockdown, the Stallone movie, but he wasn't. Uh, it was another guy that looked like him, just like you know. Typical Italian looking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Well, yeah, they, they went, it's funny. They, they, I feel like they went visually stereotypical, but yes. every single 
act like character is so much better than being stereotypical and that is truly what makes this movie fantastic because like you said lasagna the his character's name is they call him lasagna uh because he's italian and his last name you know sounds sort of like that so they just went with that but uh but he's likable you know tiny lister who i'm sure you'll get to uh in a second he like they're all like you think they're going to be bad guys but the good guys are really the, the the prisoners in this movie to an extent at least not all of them but you know yeah, the, the the I was I was just gonna say that that the majority of the the heroes in this film are the um, are are prisoners are there you know and and for the most part it seems like they're pretty hardened criminals, but yeah the, I I might like shout out certain people as we go along into the breakdown, but I was just gonna point out the last one and and you did uh, Tommy Tiny Lister. From, who's known from many from the movie Friday? <laughs> Debo, <laughs> yeah, and I knew him from as Zeus from No Holds Barred. Um, yep, he plays, and the Fifth Element. He played the president in Fifth Element. Oh, that's right, dude! Really, really good actor. He plays a character named Tiny in this. Yeah, dude. I mean. I was completely expecting his character to be like, you know, an asshole or whatever, but he turns out to like, he's a nice guy. I mean, we'll get into all of this, but like, yeah. this is what, what I really loved about this movie was they did, they did not go too, too stereotypical, or I guess they, they went stereotypical in ways you didn't think they were going to go. And then when you think they were going to go in a stereotypical way for a character, they don't. And I thought that was just so wonderful. And his yeah. character, his character honestly was one of my favorites in the movie because just seeing him i thought he was going to be an a-hole but he does not turn out to be as such and i'm like oh that's freaking awesome and he does a great job acting in it and he's so young looking god i'm not even going to be able to contain my excitement for this film this (laughs) so far it's i i loved it and uh, uh let me and let me add on to all of this um, the all of the background actors are, are all the the penitentiary guys and the guards that aren't sort of like the main featured ones. Those are real inmates with real guards that they basically filled out the population with. You know, uh, they worked with you know obviously another prison to kind of do all this, but uh, they are real freaking inmates. So much so that the character Rhino, the one with like the kind of missing two front teeth, um, who's yeah. kind of like the only real bad prisoner you know straight up bad prisoner that's there even though he does have a little couple redeeming moments you know too um he was a real prisoner who happened to have his sag card because he was like a stunt man or something so like it was like so perfect that they had him but it would they they were saying like it's so weird because he'd be doing his lines and there would be like guards off screen like basically watching him and then as soon as he's not like on camera working he's right back into shackles and it's like Wow, like what? <laughs> like like and, and that kind of like I can't imagine that that would not have an effect on like the person he's playing off against, like the his younger cellmate that he kind of like bullies around. Yeah, I, I just can imagine him his little bitch. His little bitch. Yeah, and and they didn't go that route too much. The whole like bitch thing. They didn't really go that route, but like it he, was implied. He, it was implied, and and but I I can only imagine that the that him the actor being an actual inmate probably got a good performance out of the guy he was acting off because i'm sure and that guy was so young he was like jesus christ this dude can really kill me um but i thought that was that was unbelievable i was like holy crap this movie is like it's in it's bonkers insane but it it somehow it comes together so wonderfully it could have it could have gone off the rails at any point in time i think that uh that that 
that character uh, played by Rhino is, um, I think he is the son of, um, yeah, I think he's this, his name's Mickey Yablins. He's the son of uh, Irwin Yablins. And I'm like, oh, oh, I wonder how he got his role. But but that, isn't that kind of weird? He's like, okay, son, I've got a role for you. You're going to play the prison bitch. Yeah, what, exactly. Dad? You're going to play the prison bitch. It's going to be a great role for you. You will love it, Mickey. I love you. I love you. Your cellmate will be Rhino. Oh, is he a good actor, Dad? Yes. He's a former convict. In fact, he's still incarcerated. Have fun, son. I love you. Wait, Dad. No. <laughs> ah! um, <laughs> no! So, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. You there was one character, and we'll get into it in a little bit. But uh, yeah, as far as bucking stereotypes, th- this film did a really good job. This film has so much heart. It's been compared to there were around the same time there were two other uh, films that featured guys getting electrocuted in elect in an ele- in an electric chair. One was Shocker, Shocker. <laughs> by West Craven, uh, probably the most popular, well known of the sh- of this of the electric chair movies, and the other being the horror show, uh, which technically is House Part Three. Um, oh. If you and, and Lance Henriksen's in that, and uh, it is technically like originally it was supposed to be House Three, and that's why when the movie House Four came out with William Cat, everyone's like, "Wait, where's House 3? Wait, what, what, did I miss something? House three? No, that was the horror show. Look it up. It's fun fact. It's true. Uh, okay, okay, cool. So, let, so let's just jump into this bad boy. The um, yeah, let's let's tag, let's dive the, in. Uh, <laughs> I, I was gonna say the tagline. The tagline for this uh, is the spirit of a long dead prisoner returns for revenge, haunting the prison's new governor. Well, the new warden, actually. Well, uh, IMDb actually, no, is so that's funny. That, that is actually uh, correct because um, he, the the uh, Lane Smith, referred yes. to that other cop as the warden. So I do think that we were. I do think Lane Smith's character is technically the governor, and then that other cop that gets shot at the end um, is actually the warden. Uh, it just it's weird because I think we're going off of uh, the whole Shawshank Redemption thing, and I think we all yeah. picture the warden kind of being the one. That wears the suit, you know, but I think he was yeah. actually the quote unquote governor of the the jail. That that makes sense. That makes sense. Okay, yeah. Okay, then we'll, then then you're welcome, IMDb. Nice job. Nice job, IMDb. Uh, <laughs> I, and I and I love doing this. And this might become one of my recurring things when we break down movies. But I love the plot keywords that IMDb loves to use to you know link this movie. Just I'm just gonna. How about I give you five? I'm gonna give you five. Okay, here we go. Solitary confinement. Ghost, man wearing underwear, intimidation, and male nudity. <laughs> I have a lot to say about the man wearing underwear later because, uh, or, yeah, we're gonna... or if that is in relation to the to the Vigo Mortensen uh, scene at the end, that's a little wonky, but uh, it probably that's, is. But that's we'll hilarious. <laughs> Another world. We just hanging around this slaughterhouse waiting for our turn. So the power's done all over the prison. Where something is trapped in the dark. Something grab hold of me. Some things just won't stay buried. It's something evil. 
I summon the creature of darkness. It's something inhuman. What's happening in there? And it's waiting for someone. Come forth to show yourself. To open the door. life is Miss Walker. Prison. Okay, so the movie opens with uh, a flashback uh, with a POV perspective of a guy, an inmate in a prison uh, on death row, and the guards are walking him into the uh, electric chair. And as they do, you see Lane Smith's character as a prison guard. And uh, he's got across around his neck and Lane Smith rips it off. And that definitely plays into the rest of the movie. Uh, gets in the electric chair. He's being watched on the sides. It actually looks, I, I thought it, prison. It was actually, it was actually a real gas chamber okay. uh, that they had. So that was the whole set. Uh, they found, obviously they, they have a real prison that they shoot in and every location in this movie was on the actual, in the actual prison. And yeah. they were talking about how uh, like fortunate it was that they had this amazing like gas chamber there that they, you know, could just use like that. So that, that was actually, that was real. Everything in this movie is, is real except for the gate. They had to build, yeah that giant gate into the the prison itself but here right here at the beginning opening that gas chamber thing is real and it's creepy looking too it actually because you see the the windows open up and it's like the 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 witnesses are watching this execution it's very menacing looking and creepy looking and the guy gets very well done very well done very well done and uh the guy gets the juice from the electric chair and you know, he's getting the shit shocked out of him. Um, I don't know if that was Vigo Mortensen in the beginning of the movie or not, uh, but he did play at one point. They talked about how he was he was freaking out in the chair, and it was like he almost ripped the chair off because he was— I, I think it was him because in the credits at the end, because I, I started being confused about the uh, Burke-Forsyth connection, especially once yeah. you see the picture of Forsyth, and uh, you know, we'll, I think we'll talk about it when we get there. But yes, he um, uh, Vigo is listed in the credits as Burke slash Forsyth Electrocution. So yes. that was uh, uh, Vigo in the chair, and I loved the like his skin bubbling around his wrists and in yeah. his ankles and everything. It looked it looked so painful, but this this entire opening scene was so well made it sets the tone for the entire film and it really shows how how good of a director rennie harlan really is you know especially you know with us seeing movies like exterminator and stuff and while we love that movie i still think that i mean you can just see how much better rennie harlan is than than like you know somebody else like he's a very good director oh yeah this has already from the from the get-go and also uh, Richard Band's musical score. I forgot to mention that Richard Band has done countless musical scores, but this might be one of his best, in my opinion. And can I tell you that I loved this minimalist score? I thought it was yeah. fantastic. And 
I I know uh, because of the documentary, I know why I loved it so much. Because before he scored it, Rennie Harlan used James Cameron's Aliens uh, track as the temp track. Because you know when, when directors edit a film, uh, George Lucas did this with Star Wars, they insert any movie, that any music that they want to kind of give it that vibe. Because you need music to, to edit to um, and at some point. So they just insert temp tracks of music. And then usually later, uh, you know, the, 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 the person who's scoring the movie will kind of go off of that because it's a way for the director to say, like, look, I want it to sound like this or have this kind of a vibe to it. Yeah. And, uh, and, and I was like, when I heard that, I was like, oh, that's why it just it got me like right in the cockles. <laughs> and, and once I heard that, I was like, I could hear that, that like, you know, like that sort of that driving beat sort of thing yeah, to it. Totally. I'm not I'm just not musically. I don't have the vocabulary to talk music that well. But um, I found that very interesting. And, and of course, everyone knows that Aliens is like my favorite movie. So, of course, I was like, I just thought that was cool because I was like, why do I love this music so much? And then I heard that it all clicked. I was like, ah, that makes sense. Well, it's funny you say that because Diallo even said at one point, he's like, this has kind of an alien vibe to it. Um, just the, right? the, the the darkness and something lurking and stalking mm-hmm. you. Um, but yeah, that's that's cool. I, li- I like that. I like that. I like that a lot. So after uh, after Burke, yeah, so spoiler alert, Burke, uh, Viggo Mortensen plays uh, Charles, uh, Charles Forsyth slash Burke. And sort of, but he's not necessarily going to be related because that was something they were trying to go for. And then they nixed it. Yeah. Yeah. Just a coincidence, uh, eerie coincidence. And uh, Lane Smith wakes up from a dream now present day screaming uh, from this nightmare. (laughs) Go ahead. Waking up, being strangled by his own sheets, and and dude, this th- like two or three times in this movie, he wakes up horrified, and he does such a fantastic job looking like he just woke up from a horrific dream. That I was traumatized by this. I was like, oh my god, I hope I never get woken up from a disturbing dream being choked by my own sheets. Yeah, dude, it it, it yeah, it's a very effective. Like his acting performance is phenomenal because yeah, when he comes out, he's like, oh, yeah, you just really get the his sense eyeballs that. are like all bugging out and shit. Much bugged out, yeah. Uh, phone rings, picks it up, and he gets a call to be somewhere, and he's like, okay, I'll be there. And cuts to the next scene where uh, Chelsea Fields' character Catherine, who I'll just refer to as Catherine the rest of the movie, uh, she's at a prison board meeting discuss discussing construction of the new prison, an, a new uh, in uh, the old Wyoming State Penitentiary, which. It's legit. They're in Wyoming and filming at this yeah. prison, um, and it it's it's been closed since 1968, and um, and you find out that Sharp will kind of oversee the whole thing, and and she's she's upset about it because she's like he's a dinosaur and he doesn't know what he's doing, and you know he believes in like uh, ball and chain, and she's kind of like this young, she would be like the uh, she's the character in every movie like the investigative reporter or the person who's always trying to seek the truth. She's kind of like the moral conscience of the film because, and it's neat. Her character is very necessary because I think if you didn't have her moral compass throughout, it would just be about the prisoners versus the guards. And while you can have sympathy for guys in prison at the same time too, you know, 
unless they were put there, they, unless they full, truly are innocent, they were put there for, you know, negative reasons. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's always in the back of the viewer's mind is that, yeah, we're, obviously we want to sympathize with these, with your protagonists. Yeah. But at the same time, we all are aware that they had to have done something to be there. Yeah. And she's cool. Like, I, I think, again, I think she's a really, really good actress. And um, yeah, she does a good job just playing it just not over the top. And she doesn't like underplay it. I think she she gives the same sort of inner energetic level of of acting that like everyone sort of gives in this. And I think it's it's really, really good. Really? She's she's really well done in this movie. Yeah, there's I mean, every performance is a level in, in my opinion. It really in this is. Film. Um and, and and I don't know if I mentioned it, but I'll just say it really again quickly. Like I said, this movie got lumped into like shocker and horror show, but it is, in my opinion, vastly. Uh, well, it's it's very different, but it's it's above and beyond the best one of the of the three of the of the chair movies. Um, yeah. So from there we go. We're following Catherine. She's going to this abandoned prison while Sharp is watching her um, and. As, as she's approaching, kind of lurking, and uh, she's walking around the prison, and she walks into one of the cells, and then the cell door closes, and it's Sharp closing the cell door on her. And, um, you know, just already, a, like, right off the bat, trying to freak her out. And it's a, it's a, it's a great scene because you realize, like, he's, he's truly, like, he's devious and dark, and she's, she's kind of wide-eyed and innocent. Um, and they're kind of discussing that the bulk of that scene is them discussing the amount of time needed to clean up the prison and how he's going to take care of it because he's going to bring the prisoners in right away. And she's like, wait, what? Uh, we need to reform this place and we need to, you know, bring it up to speed. And he's like, oh, it's fine. We're just going to get, get rock, get, he doesn't say this, but he's like, we're just going to get going, you know, essentially. Yeah. From there, buses come in to the prison. I, you don't really get a sense of time at this point, but you feel like it's pretty soon after they've reopened this thing. Uh, all the buses come in, everyone's getting off the off the bus, and you're introduced to Vigo Mortensen, who exudes James Dean, Steve McQueen, cool the minute he walks yeah. off. Uh, and Sharp sees him. His his character's name is Burke. Sees him and just kind of gives him an odd look, like I've seen this guy before, but I don't know where. And everybody's getting off one by one. You're kind of getting introduced to the personality types. And then suddenly uh, Rabbit goes and pushes the guard out of the bus and goes to steal the bus with another prisoner on board. This uh, this guy named Hershey. And Hershey – oh, yeah, go ahead. Oh, yeah. I was just going to say Hershey. I know Hershey uh, from Fletch. He was was, uh, (laughs) – yep. (laughs) He was – yeah, he was a homeless guy, homeless druggie in Fletch. Yep, yep. Which, I, know, guys, Fletch, Fletch is one of my favorite movies of all time. So, Me too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> do you remember? Do you remember the famous line um, he utters to Chevy Chase in the in the retort Chevy has with it? <laughs> Hit us with it. Not, when he not goes, off the top of my head right now. So you know, Fletch is playing undercover, and he's like, "Hey, Fletch, I got some reds." And Fletch goes, "You don't mean communists, do you?" <laughs> I love it. Dude, uh, that, movie, that was like prime Chevy Chase. My favorite scene yeah, in dude. that movie was uh, when he was plays Dr. Rosen penis. Who? Dr. Rosen Rosen? What? Dr. Rosen? <laughs> it's Dr. Rosen Rosen. Come again? <laughs> Where the hell is the damn records room? He said Rosen penis. That killed me. Utter, like, that, is, that is cocaine at its finest. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Oh, and Chevy looks so good in that, too. Had a nice oh, tan. Oh, he does. 
didn't nah, look, but, look, you know, healthy looking. He wasn't too gaunt. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, that that was my that's the best Chevy Chase movie in my opinion. Agreed. If you guys have not seen Fletch, go see Fletch. Yes, please see Fletch. Yeah, so so uh, Hershey and so that his character is Hershey and Rabbit steal this bus. Uh, well, really, Rabbit steals the bus, and Hershey's like, "What are you doing, man? We're gonna get killed. You're gonna get us killed." And he's like, "Shut the hell up, man! I got this. I got this, man!" And they're driving around the prison trying to get out. And all hell's breaking loose. All the prisoners are yelling and screaming. And so picture like they're driving around the 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 the, the field, the courtyard the, area, the courtyard, yeah, of the of the prison, um, which is just an open grass field. And then Sharp just gets right in front of the bus and just screams at the bus. Yeah, that was pretty badass. <laughs> it was badass. And so initially, you're like, okay, this dude, because because again, as a as a viewer, you're like, okay, this is the prison. All these people are bad, uh, you know, and, 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 the, and the prisoner guards and the, and the warden or the, or the governor are good, and he's laying down the law. And you're like, oh, shit's going to get done at this place. And you don't know about any sort of horror elements just yet. It's very much straightforward oh, yeah. like a drama. Oh, yeah. Like, like I, even though it's right on the cover of my Scream Factory Blu-ray that you, you sent me uh, yeah. with, with uh, you know, the the, mo- the ghost guy on there, um, <laughs> I don't know why. I always just as- assumed it was a uh, prisoners fighting other prisoners type of movie. Yeah. And uh, so when the first moments of supernaturalness come in this, I was like, what is going on? I texted Zach. I was like, my interest is infinitely peaked at this point. But yeah, I at this point, you don't know that it's, it's a supernatural movie at all. And and I don't know if it ever needed to be because I think it's it's all it's very interesting even when it's not a supernatural movie. That's just a fun layer to add to it. Yeah, I was going to say uh, earlier when we started recording that this movie came out around the time where Prison, prison, there's always been prison movies, whether it's Escape from Alcatraz or uh, Birdman of Alcatraz. Um, but but in the middle 80s, there was this kind of influx of prison movies. There was Stallone's Lockup, which is, in yeah. my opinion, really good. Um, Death Warrant, Jean-Claude Van Damme movie, which I think is pretty decent. Um, there was an, an Innocent Man, which is a great Tom Selleck prison movie. And then American Me came out around that time too uh so and there's again there's always been prison movies this was the first time so i was expecting this movie to be a typical prison drama like yeah you just said but then once you get into it maybe 15 20 minutes into the movie you're like "Ooh, this is not going the route i thought it was gonna go and i'm liking it a lot yeah, and it went in an infinitely better route than I ever thought it was going to go. Oh, agreed. <laughs> I totally agree. Yeah, and I'm so happy to hear you say that because, you know, when uh, nostalgia is a funny thing, and we've said it many times on this show, when you watch a movie for, as a kid and then you watch it again as an adult, and you're like, oh, this is not what I expected or it didn't hold up. You kind of hold it in a, uh, you know, oh, my, my dad was such a nice guy. Well, really, was he? Because he made you do really shitty things. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so, like, to me, I was like, no, revisionist history, but does this movie still hold up? Yes, it does, in my opinion. And I'm, so when you text me that, I'm like, ooh, he's liking it. This is good. Um, <laughs> so from there, the prisoners get their uniforms and they're walking in. And that's when, again, you're introduced to more characters. And there's a really cool moment, a really cool moment that, that shows you who Burke is as a person because the lasagna character uh, is getting his uniform and, and he's got a poster 
behind his back and the prison guards like, Hey, what is that? And he's like, come on, man. They let me keep it in upstate. He's like, no, well, you know, this is, pr- I forget what he said to him, but he's like, you know, this is contraband. He's like, this is contraband or something yeah, like that. He contraband. Goes, and, then I, and I like how Lasagna goes, what is in contraband? He goes, your ass. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, like, right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's Yeah, that's a great line. And uh, and so he puts the poster down on the ground and, and Burke is right behind him. And as Burke's getting his uniform, he grabs the poster, which I think was such a it's a very subtle moment. But immediately it shows you that this guy's got integrity of some mm-hmm. degree, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, and then you're introduced to Rhino who's like that, that dude is so gross looking with his missing yeah. teeth and, and, uh, you know, he just, he looks, yeah, he, it's funny that he's a prison guy because he looks like he is and he's already treating the little, little bitch as his little bitch immediately. You're like, Oh, I got this guy. You yeah. Know? And, uh, and you feel a little bit be- that, that, that kid, Mickey Ablins, Brian or whatever, he looks like he's 14 years old and you're like, Oh, this guy, yeah, he looks really hurt. young. Yeah. Um, but th- I mean, let's face facts like that's that was always a a, a great like kind of cons- constructed character in every prison movie. There was always going to be one little bitch and he was the little bitch. So mm-hmm. uh, and, from and there, spoiler alert, he, he, he gets his come up and not or he he comes out on top, you know, and, and I thought he was going <laughs> to die horribly. But, you know, it's it's every, almost everything in this movie kind of goes in a different direction than I than I think it's going to go because yeah. I'm thinking it's going to be like a stereotypical one way and then it goes another. And, you know, and and I think that the scene that's sort of coming up next, like we're right now, we're just kind of introducing all the they're almost like couples because it's it's yep. two guys in a, in a cell and we're going to be introduced um to uh um lasagna and and tiny soon and that was another scene that i was like okay here comes like tiny's gonna be the asshole but he's not like they you know they kind of bond together you know it's it's really one it's really awesome i want to say wonderful and you know what fuck it i'm gonna say wonderful it's a it's a wonderfully scripted character movie yeah bravo c courtney joiner nice job um (laughs) yeah so from there uh we 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 Go back to Rabbit and Hershey, and they're both in solitary confinement, kind of like in the cellar of uh, of the prison or the the basement of the prison. That's where this. It, I get the sense that's where the solitary cells are. Yeah, because um, it's also a kind of flooded too, which which yeah. was cool visually, but at the same time, I was like, I don't think that's like like safety wise. That's a good thing. No, and again, it speaks to sh- like it speaks to Catherine's character, who's like, we need to f- fix this place first before we uh, start sending these guys in here and sharp's like no it's fine we're just we're just gonna do it yeah because because sharp views the views these guys as animals and she views them as people yes and yeah and it's it's very interesting like watching that show orange is the new black and what goes on currently with prison culture and how we are way more aware now of how mistreated these people are and 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 i think the whole process of incarceration not to get on a soapbox, but definitely needs to be fixed because it, it's, yeah. it's fractured. Uh, but this is in the eighties when well, it's quite honestly, people gave it, didn't give a shit about this stuff uh, on, on the level that we do now. And yeah. so they were treated like, you know, scum. And um, anyways, so from there uh, we, we cut back to Burke giving lasagna, his poster and, and, uh, and it's just a cool exchange because, you know, like you can see they have a bond already. And yeah. Burke is on his way to his cell and gives Lasagna his poster. And then the the kid, Brian, goes into his cell and Rhino's in there. And he's like, oh, we're going to be roommates. And he just gets all up in his face with that gross, like, flavor saver mustache. 
and yeah. uh, just you know missing teeth, and you're just like, this guy is just so. The character is so disgusting. Um, and then you cut to Tiny, Tiny Lister, and Lasagna getting a cell together. And it's funny because Lasagna is put, putting up his poster, and it's revealed that it's a poster of Stallone from Rambo Part 2, which is a really yeah. badass poster. And you think you figure it would have been like a Playboy bunny or uh, you know Farrah Fawcett or something, and it ends up being Stallone. And you're like, that's pretty badass. That's pretty cool. I, I would I would rock that in my room if I was a kid. Uh, I don't know <laughs> yeah. about being in prison, uh, but whatever. And um, and so <laughs> so uh, he, I, I think he says he's like Tiny says that that could be bad for your health because uh, Lasagna's about to take the top bunk, and uh, and he's like, oh no, man, you want to take this? Go for it. It's it's it's, it's all good, you know. And and then uh, and Lasagna says something like. He's like, hey, don't, don't you love this guy? Don't you love this guy? And he's pointing at Stallone trying to divert because Tiny's getting in his face. And he's like, you know, I, I only what does he say? Something about like, I only want to talk to my I only call one person a month. and It's my friend, my best friend. And he's like, <laughs> oh, well, we could be friends, you know, and don't you love this guy? Yeah. Stallone? Come on. Yeah. And, and, and you can and like like at first, you know, Tiny's kind of acting a little bit hard, but you can tell at the same time that he's kind of like a little bit, you know, worried or, or whatever, and that he actually has some feelings to him. He's not just like being a dick like Rhino is. And then through this whole scene, like he you can tell that he's becoming more comfortable with Lasagna and they're yeah. actually sort of like clicking and connecting. And, you know, Lasagna's like, you know, I figured, you know, I'm being here for a little bit. I'm going to learn some trades like welding or something something and he's like you know like something like that and he looks at you know tiny and tiny just looks at him he's like man i've been in here for 13 years you yeah, know he's like years, yeah. and he's like basically i've never learned anything and you're just basically here to survive but i like how tiny delivered that line uh he didn't yeah. deliberately like deliberately jesus he didn't deliver it menacingly he delivered it like like sad like like this is like reality man like, yeah, you, like need a, man, you need a reality check you know yeah yeah t- exactly and i felt the same way when the way he delivered that line wasn't like look how badass i am it's more just like man i've been having to deal with this shit for way too long yeah like and it's yeah. not gonna stop like we're stuck here like do you realize yeah, I- yeah, and right then and there, I was like, okay, you know, you don't really know it at first, but I'm like, okay, I think there's more to Tiny Lister's character than you think right out of the gate. And that's, you know, that's completely on me for, for judging book by its cover, even though at this point I have seen him play, you know, the president and uh, and, and Fifth Element and everything. But, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm just assuming that the director is going to go with the, the stereotype route. But, yeah, right here and now, right when he delivered that line, I can honestly tell you that's when I started saying, you know what? I think there's something more to this movie than than I initially gave it credit to. And and from this point on, yeah, it, it everything does it goes in that direction in every way, shape, and form. Essentially, yeah, totally, totally. I, yeah, this is a great way to introduce all the characters and have you like them because that yeah. that's important uh, as as the it movie is. goes it, on. So yeah, from there, from there, you get to. Back to Burke's character and his roommate Croesus, who's the older, uh, the old seems like the like the old hardened guy who's been in prison way too long, kind of like the Morgan Freeman character in Shawshank Redemption. Yep. Uh, yep. And, and Croesus is looks like he's drinking 
rocket fuel, like gasoline. And essentially it is. And he's like, you get used to drinking this as, you know, when this is the only thing you have in prison, that's, you got to get used to it. And, uh, and so he looks at Burke and he's like, you know, you, you, you got, uh, what does he say? He goes, you got the face of a lifer. And, uh, and he says, make sure this is your last stretch. Yeah. And it's such a cool moment. Cause you're like, yeah, what, you know, Burke is a, automatically you identify, okay, this guy's cool. Uh, he's got integrity. He, he, maybe he's not, he wasn't supposed to go to prison in the first place. And then this guy creases, like feels like he knows him from somewhere, but you don't know exactly why or where yet. And then you get to, uh, this character of Sandor. Sandor is, this is when Diallo's like, Oh, they got to have a black voodoo guy. You got to have oh, the dude, one guy, he, the stereotypical he, voodoo yeah. guy. <laughs> And I'm like, yeah, yeah, and, but not exactly like there's, yeah, I get it. Uh, you know, I, I know. And I, I, I actually have a note in here saying, man, the eighties just loved their voodoo guys, you know? Um, uh, but I do got to say, uh, that actor, he is from Baltimore. So props to that. Yeah. No, that guy, this guy who plays Sandor is, is really good. Uh, and, and, and Sandor's a cool character. Like all the prison guys are yeah. except for Rhino are cool characters. Um, yeah, and so from there we we go to, to back to a flashback um, of Sharp going into the morgue at the prison and checking on the dead body of the guy who had been electrocuted, and he's he's got the cross in his hand and he's like rubbing his hand. It's a weird moment. Like he starts rubbing his hand almost like he had dirt on it or something, and he's trying to rub the rub the dirt off his hand. And he turns around, walks away from the the corpse, and then suddenly out of nowhere. The, the body comes behind him and grabs him, like starts choking. And you, him, right? you don't see the you don't like see the body's face. You never ever see no. the body's face until the end when it's like revealed in like a clip, a uh, newspaper clipping of what he looked like. Um, but yeah. yeah, that was that was a great scene. Uh, that was really fun. And then he wakes up again, yes. wakes up in a, in just pure horror and ah! does the best job <laughs> when uh, when the when the warden actually uh, walks in. Uh, the the that other main sort of cop guy. Uh, walks yeah, in who is Carl. actually technically the the warden yeah and he almost like shoots him like he points the gun at him and everything but yeah dude <laughs> yeah. lane smith waking up from his his insane nightmares dude i never ever want to have a i never want my soul to be that tarnished that i have horrific nightmares every freaking night that i wake up screaming from <laughs> i know yeah he's like having night terror screams and as a kid i had night terror screams uh for many reasons, and and one of those, many of those reasons, you can listen to on the podcasting after dark watch list episode, <laughs> trauma edition, with my good buddy Dustin Rubin from Two Dollar Light Fee. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Uh, it's it's a great episode, and it's a it's a it's a way to really uh, unpack uh, some of Zach's uh, trauma. And side side note, my buddy Luke, uh, I was talking to him this morning, and he was like, "I listened to that uh, Zach's uh, trauma episode." He was like, "That that explains a lot." I was like, oh my god! <laughs> well, I just I was gonna uh, say this earlier in the episode, but now uh, it just brought it back because I I, I I lost it for a moment. Moment, but you had said. Um, you know, yet and again, another movie I haven't seen from my childhood. And I thought, wait, maybe I know my first name is Stephen is I know my first name is Corey Stevenson. (laughs) And you (laughs) were kidnapped as a kid and didn't get to see all these great horror films that you're now (laughs) getting introduced to. (laughs) 
<laughs> Anyways, uh, S- sadly, it's uh, it's it's a lot less fun than that, and it really just boils down to the fact that uh, I I was easy to please and would just put on aliens multiple times. <laughs> just watch it again. Watch it again. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> do, 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 do. <laughs> yeah. So so Sharp comes up from that nightmare, point, points his gun at uh, Carl Horton. I think his name. He's yeah, the warden who uh, I recognize from a great Clint Eastwood movie called Heartbreak Ridge. Uh, mm. which is, in my opinion, one of the better war, not war, like war training movies back in the day. Okay. Um, but he's his, he's his buddy in that. He's like kind of a love, he's like a likable character. Um, and I felt like there was layers to him that could have gone a little deeper, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, but yeah, as Carl or Sharp comes up from his nightmare pointing his gun at Carl, he's like, I want to see the blueprints. <laughs> like, <laughs> what, dude? chill out man and the, and carl's just standing there like okay uh <laughs> dude guy you have a the the governor's pointing a gun at you like act a little more traumatized by that yeah but, no uh, well, i i know i'd see i did like the fact that carl didn't even flinch he just oh, it was, was cool. like yeah, hey boss cool. you know i like that it showed it showed you how badass carl was yeah no i i agree he, he and that's why he's the warden right because he's yep he's unshakable uh from there this is this is actually one of my favorite shots in the movie. Uh, you cut to the inmates on the grass, and there's a but but you see it through the perspective of the machine gun uh, from the towers yeah. around the prison. It's just a really cool perspective shot. Um, I don't know. It just stood the, out to me. I was like, the cinematography in this movie was was fantastic, and I I think it's probably because they had such a beautiful, uh, beautifully disgusting location to to work with that just lend itself to some just amazing shots. But yeah, everything yeah. in this movie is all like that prison, and uh, I think they just had a just fell in love with it and had a real good time, you know, filming it. Yeah, dare I say this? This is the best use of a prison um, uh, since. Uh, prior to Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I agree. I agree and, with that. And I guess that. Rennie, Rennie Harlan drew all the storyboards for this film, uh, which, you know, if, if like he was, his vision was really coming across, I guess on screen. Yeah. From there, you know, the prisoners are walking around on the grass and lasagna and Burke are talking about how, like they're basically talking about escaping and Burke reveals that he was a car thief, uh, but he can pick any lock and he's, you know, I forget what he said. He's like locks are just a series of puzzles or something like that. Yeah, and the older the older the lock, the easier it is to to pick it. And yeah. this place is pretty old. Like yeah. I like that. I was like, that's pretty. That's cool. And oh, and real quick, um, I, I guess it doesn't matter too too much. But we did find out during the lasagna tiny lister scene that uh, why lasagna was in there, and it was he he is not one of the the better guys because he was trying to rob somebody's like steal someone's tie. And yeah. uh, and and basically the the guy who came out and, and with a gun and everything and he basically killed the guy and killed his dog and then he said they they caught me when I was getting like the last tire and he didn't you know he he seemed like it was one of the things where like blaming the guy for coming out and and stopping him whereas you know of course whereas you know obviously he's not taking responsibility for his own actions um, but yeah that that was one of the few prisoners that we actually got the full story on why he was there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and so you realize like while he's likable on one hand, he's probably a hothead and right. And he did some bad shit. He did so yeah. maybe he deserves to be there. Um and, and so from there all the prisoners are getting their details and Rhino, it's gross because like he he seems you get introduced to another prison guard, this guy named Wallace, 
who uh, is was the dad from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. It's um, it's Bill's <laughs> That's dad. From. <laughs> and I'm like, Ooh. that's right. Because I remember in that movie how gross it was that his his uh, his mom or his 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 wife went to high school was like a senior uh when bill and ted were freshmen in high school so she's like four years older than or three and he's having to call her mom all the time and the dad there's like a gross moment where the dad no sorry i got that totally wrong (laughs) bill's dad it does have the 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 young mom but ted's dad is like the asshole uh military guy who wants to send yeah. Ted to an, an academy school and send him off if he doesn't shape up. Uh, anyways, he's like a turd in that. And he's a turd in this uh, later on in the movie. Yeah. But he's giving out detail, and he seems like he's buddies with Rhino for some reason. You're like, oh, of course. Okay, I hate this guy because he's buddies with this scumbag, you know, uh, prison raper. And, uh, and and Rhino's like, okay, well, we'll take uh, water detail, and I'll, I'll take him with me, and we'll, you know, uh, we got this. And then just like, come on, come with me. He's keeping his bitch tight. And it's just, oh, it's so gross. Cause I'm like, Ugh. that, that culture of prison life just creeps me the hell out. Um, and so at, then Burke comes up to get his prison detail and he gets told that he has to go down and clean out the, the, the basement to where the execution chamber is. And he's got a pickaxe in his hand. And Wallace is like, you know how to use that? Meh. And Burke just kind of gives him a smirk, like, you're a turd, you know. <laughs> he's, <laughs> it's like, a great... he's like, I, I got your number. I know you're a turd. Yeah, yeah. It's it, And that comes back later to play. And I love that. Everything in this movie is so well connected. And you get a sense of, like, for the most part, I'd say 90%. Uh, yeah. Where you're like, well, why was why did they do that? Oh, and it gets explained later on in the movie. From there, Burke and then Sandor, our voodoo man, uh, get brought down to the basement to break through to the execution chamber. And it's like, it's bricked up. Like it's like sealed up behind like a, a brick wall that looks j- just as old as the place is. Yeah. It's all, it's all barricaded up. And, and, and so they're breaking through that. And at the same time, Catherine shows up at the prison to see sharp. And then they, they like cut back and forth. And then they've got Burke and Sandor chipping away at the chamber door and then you cut to Rabbit and Hershey in their cells. And it's funny because they're kind of giving each other shit. Like Rabbit's like, you know, what are you doing over there, man? And the, the guy who plays Rabbit is so funny because he's like, the, yeah, see, what? yeah, well, look, I'm just trying to get a good, easy score, okay? And then Rabbit's yeah. like, Hershey's like, man, fuck you, dude. Like, you, you got us you're into this You're the one that shit. got me. You got us into this bullshit right here. <laughs> <laughs> come on, man. Come on, man. Like, you would have done the same thing, you know? What's, what's the big deal here, see? And um, <laughs> and so Hershey's like getting ready to roll a roll a cigarette, and then at the same time, that's when Burke breaks through uh, the wall of the execution room, and just light shoots out. Yeah, like a like a beam of blue light. And that's when I was like, at this point, I was like, you know, if 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 I were a German Shepherd, my ear would have perked up, and I'm like, huh, <laughs> like like seriously, like I, you, I'm telling you right now, I see the cover of the Shout Factory Blu-ray. It obviously shows that there's some kind of supernatural element to it, <laughs> but I just had it in my head that this was going to be just more of like an exploitation prison film, yep. and so I was like. 
huh, what's uh, what's going on here? <laughs> and then and then now the roller coaster begins. Oh, dude, it, that that is they have just officially released some spirit out of out of its tomb, and it is now well. It, it reminded me of there's a uh, it's not great. It's actually very flawed, but it's got uh, three things going really well for it. It's got a great director, even though he's not a fan of the movie, a great uh, soundtrack from Tangerine Dream and a great cast um, featuring Scott Glenn and Jurgen Prochnow and uh, Patrick Stewart. It's called The Keep, uh, an 80s oh, movie yeah. called The Keep. Michael Mann's yeah. The Keep. And it's it's a very flawed film. I It definitely needs to get its due down the road on a Blu-ray release. Uh, but it's got that same blue image of light coming through and like yeah. shooting through. And, and so when this shoots through and it's, and it doesn't just shoot through, um, cause they break open a bigger hole and then Burke starts to get sucked into the hole of yeah. the execution chamber. Like it's trying to ab- absorb his body or something. You don't know exactly what's going on. And Sandor is like, you know, that's Kana bad spirit. And uh, it, 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 and he's relevant. He totally makes – you need a character like that in this movie. He's a very – Well, yeah, because Sandor is technically the knowledge character. There, there's two knowledge characters. There's Sandor and then there's uh, uh, Grease. Um, is it Crease or Grease, the, the uh, older Kreesus, black man? Creases. Creases. Okay, Creases. Yeah. So, so Sandor and Creases are kind of like knowledge characters, but on two different subjects because, like, the the movie is technically two different things. It's a prison movie and it's a supernatural movie. So they they just broke the knowledge character up into two characters essentially. But Sandor is cool. I I liked him. Oh, I you know he, he's yeah. trying to he's trying to grab Burke from being sucked in. Like, like they instantly everyone instantly sort of already has like a, a bond, and the only prisoner that's kind of like a straight up antagonist is Rhino. Yeah, and again, I, I understand it's it's stereotypical um, kind of, you know, they're always going to have one ethnic character doing this thing. So you got Billy in Predator, you know, who's yeah. superstitious, and you've got, uh, you know, Joe Boo in Major League who's superstitious. But Sandor, yeah. he's a great, he's a fun character. Like, I think he's, and the guy plays it so well. Um and so there, there's been plenty of like documentaries and, and essays and stuff written on, you know, just the whole. Like, you know, mystical black character that, that you know, just and, and how like, it, I mean, it is stereotypical and everything. And and we're not like, you know, condoning the stereotype. Yeah. But if you're going to lean into it, everyone did a good job here. Like like the actor who played Sandor, he did a great job. The character didn't feel like he was like, you know, only there for one reason or anything. So I think that that helps that you're able to actually, uh, you know, elevate it a little bit. But Yes, and even Brian Usna talked about it on um, about Riverman, how they didn't want to actually use an African-American actor because they felt like it was too on the nose. They felt like it was too uh, stereotypical. Uh, but when when uh, that actor, uh, uh, Basil Wallace, read for it, they're like, we, uh, we can't deny it. Like, he's fantastic. So yeah. it's I, – I, I, and I think it's now become more oh, – people are more aware of it, so we don't do it as much. But, you know, the times – that it was back in the 80s this was a, a pretty popular trope was to make you know the ethnic person usually african-american or, or native american or whatever uh have some kind of like mystical belief system yeah. right like that's yeah. kind of like how it is <laughs> yeah Di- <laughs> i wrote down because as i'm watching this with diallo and sandor says you know something grabs hold of me i feel i feel it grab hold of me 
And, well, he, and, he said he said he grabbed its hand. He goes, I, I felt like, yes. and I love that because he yeah. was like, he was shook by it. He was shook by the fact that he touched it. He was oh, like, dude. I touched it. I I touched its hand. You know, I was like, wow, that was really cool. Yep. Yeah, that was really cool. And Diallo, Diallo goes, of course, the black guy gets freaked out. <laughs> I'm like, but I'm, I mean, Diallo, rifle, I'm quoting you I on get, that. And and I get what Diallo is coming from. I do understand, you know, Diallo's point of view on that. Yeah. But at the same time, like he didn't just get freaked out by the event. He got freaked out because he was the only one that actually touched the ethereal plane. You know? Oh, like dude, he, he well, touched yeah. it. You know, and yeah, so no, I don't know, was... man. I, I thought I thought that was a, it was justified him being freaked out by it. Totally, totally. Yeah, it's it's a really well done scene. Uh, and just kind of sets the tone for for the rest of the movie because you know now there's a spirit. It's not just some oh someone left the light on down in the uh, execution chamber. <laughs> yeah. So from there we cut to the infirmary where Burke is getting uh, medical attention and Catherine is helping him. And immediately you you see this they have this kind of connection or at least Catherine does. Uh, there's a scene later in the movie where they're they're eyeing each other and Catherine clearly has sweet intentions on. Burke's character. I mean, who wouldn't? The guy's like, he's a hunk. He's a hunk. He's a hunk. I mean, who wouldn't? My God. He's a hunk. He's a prison hunk. You can see why these guys in prison get, you know, get married from people from the outside. So, uh, (laughs) so from there, we cut back to Rabbit and Hershey arguing with each other. It's a great dynamic. It's totally like they both hate each other. uh, And the spirit breaks in to Hershey's cell. Like it opens up his, the little, uh, the looking the little door or whatever where you can put the food in. Let's just say that if you've never seen the movie, um, that you never see the spirit until the very end. It's always um, either a sort of a POV thing, but they mostly use light, which is fantastic because he the the spirit is is electricity based. So every time he moves around, things get electrocuted and there's like this light coming through. And I thought that was unbelievably effective especially in the later scenes where where rabbit is sort of in the the confines and stuff uh trying to escape but like um the fact that you always know the spirits there because they use this very blue striking light and uh yeah but you never actually see the spirit no you never see the spirit and i i meant to I, i meant to say that this is the scene where hershey and rabbit are arguing over the cigarette and and hershey's gonna He's rolling that cigarette up and he's about to light it. And then the light shoots in. He's like, oh, man, you're blinding my eyes. Turn the light off, man. And uh, and then suddenly Hershey goes to the door and he grabs the the door and he, or he puts his hands on the door. And he burns, melts his hands. The, the door is now like 900 degrees Fahrenheit. It's bright red. And he's he put his hands on the door. His hands are bubbling and he's screaming for help. And Rabbit's like, he's like, man, what the hell are you smoking over there? Something like that. <laughs> and uh, and the next thing you know, you cut back to Rabbit. Like Rabbit's like worried about Hershey and Hershey's feet. His his converse are melting on the floor yeah. of the the entire uh, solitary cell is baking like an yeah. oven. He's being and, and, and they do a gr- they do a great job of like making the walls you know have light you know you can tell that it wasn't that they actually used a set for that and you know that the walls were made out of something that you could like shine light through to make them all look like they're but it it looked like an oven it looked fantastic yeah. and I loved I. <clears throat> 
I love the detail of Hershey's like soles of his shoes like melting. They, so they start cool. to become like a pool, and he you know he's screaming and everything, and then they have that like the only real the the in, out of the entire movie has some of the most grotesque and amazing uh, special effects done. But the the fake Hershey head was yeah. pretty pretty bad. But at the same time, it was. It's so bad that it's kind of like a a nice little reminder that this movie was made in 1986, you know? I was like, okay, that's fine. But oh, yeah. it, that, that wasn't great. It looked, I mean, it looked like an action figure melting. It was really yeah. gross. Uh, yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. It didn't take away from, it, it added, to me, it added a little humor to it. Because I'm like, okay, at least I can laugh at this guy burning which is kind of creepy yeah because yeah because otherwise it, it's, it's a pretty horrific death and oh, by the way so every death in this movie is amazingly horrific yeah it is this film captures what hatred is like when you when you hate something so much what hatred would do to somebody if if hate was a thing this is what hate would do to somebody, right? A physical force because it is, it is melting this guy in the cell. And as he's screaming and rabbits, rabbits screaming for help in the other cell, Carl, the warden and Wallace, the dickhead come down uh, to see what's going on. And Carl's like, I'm going to go get more help. Wallace, go help him. And Wallace just totally panics like a little bitch. Like he, he, he does, he doesn't even move. And, uh, and, and Burke is down there with Sandor and Burke is the only one who tries to do anything of there's, there's prison guards down there and everyone's down there trying just standing there by the cell, watching the shit go down. And Burke is the only one who tries to do anything. He takes his shirt off. He uh, opens up the door, probably burning his hands in the process uh, and, and opens up the door and, um, he couldn't get to Hershey's because it was like too bright, and then like yep. Hershey's door kind of like falls down with with Hershey, like a be- like an amazing, charred. awesome, like burned, yeah, charred uh, version, you know, a special effects version of them, and that was great. But yeah, it was so. Then then uh, he tries to get to Rabbit because now Rabbit is starting to cook too. But you know, it's the process is not far along at that point, no. and uh, and the, the 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 it's so hot that his the key breaks off in there, so he has to use his. His, his uh his shirt to like turn the handle yeah that that happens and it's so hot that uh rabbit's eyeglasses break they crack yeah which is a yeah. really cool effect when that happens and yeah burke opens up the door and rescues rabbit and you're like holy shit th- who is this burke guy he's like saving people rescuing guys posters just like, <laughs> uh, like he's just a like the, this is the quintessential hero character but he's a prisoner like and he's a mystery you don't know what's going on and so from there that's like end of of gory scene one of like probably four or five really gory scenes in this movie yeah uh and it's a great gory scene and then you cut to burke showering 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 taking a shower (laughs) and Mm -hmm. uh while he's doing that sharp walks in and questions why he even helped to begin with you know, and, and uh, he's like, you know, you think that little stunt of yours is going to cut you any play with the parole board? You can forget it. And you're like, dude, you're such a dick, man. Like, yeah. this guy just did your guard's job for you, basically. 
and, and, and then I like how Vigo said something to to the guard, like like not to Sharp, but to the guard. He's like, "Yeah, ever need help again? Let me know." Like something like where yeah, it's kind of like kicking yeah. him, yeah, kicking him a little bit like down type of thing, like saying we all like like saying like you and I both know what the fuck happened. You fucked yep. up, and I saved your ass, basically, yeah, or I saved exactly. Rabbit's ass, essentially. I did yeah. your job for you, basically. Yeah, totally. He, um, yeah, and then yeah, because that comes back into play later because Wallace is such a such a turd like the guys who you want to hate you really do hate and the guys you really yeah. you want to like you really do like again great yeah. storytelling right um and then we cut to being back on the yard and rhinos with his little bitch and um lasagna comes up to burke and he's checking in on him and they're playing catch with each other and he's like man i'm gonna introduce you to my sister and uh you know just totally just like wanting to bond with Burke and Burke's just so cool. He kind of shrugs it off and, and they're playing catch back and forth. And then, uh, they throw lasagna throws a long pass to Burke and Rhino catches the ball and Rhino's like, you know, thinking, Hey, you want to join? I'm looking for a, a few, uh, you know, I'm looking to start a crew to run my poker tables or something like that. And he, re- uh, you know what he reminds me of is my, the guy used to, my boss at video man, Back in the day, Robert. Oh, God. Robert had oh, God. this. Oh. Robert, which I mentioned before, I think, in previous episodes, with that flavor saver goatee and like, mmm, you want to come into the back? I want to show you something. <laughs> like, oh, they, God. Dude, don't, yeah. don't, don't do that to me, please. So, uh, yeah, he's like, you know, the fringe benefits are great. And you cut to the shot of uh, his little bitch's face and. And he's just like, meh, because, you know, he's being abused in that cell. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so so Burke, like, you know, Rhino, Burke just shrugs him off. He's like, no, I, I'm not interested. And Rhino just threatens him. And then and that's when Burke grabs his balls. I love this scene. And he's Burke like, grabs Rhino's balls. Burke grabs Rhino's balls. Sorry. Thank you. Grabs Rhino's balls. And, and he's like crushing his nuts. Like he's not just cupping them; he's crushing those bad boys. He's crushing them. He's like squeezing them, manhandling them. (laughs) You remember those um, water weenies when you squeeze it and pop out on one side? (laughs) Exactly. That's That's exactly what I was picturing. (laughs) So as he's doing that, he goes, "He goes, I'll give you my ball. You give me my ball back, and I'll give you back yours." And. uh, And so and it was great. Like Rhino's face is just—he's turning beet red. Uh, His eyes are getting watered. Yeah, it's so I was great. like, he—he he did a good job. Like Rhino, the actor, knowing that he's an inmate and everything, he did a good job acting. Oh yeah, he sold it. He sold it really well, and he gives him back his ball. And everybody at this point is watching, uh, you know, on the grass. And and after that, and after he does that, you know, Burke walk gives uh, Lasagna back his ball, and they walk off. And I, I love the scene because Rhino, like uh, his little bitch, has a smile on his face. And uh, Rhino goes, you know, what the fuck are you smiling at? You're like, come on, let's get out of here. You know, and I just feel yeah, at that point I'm like, bully. dude, I feel so bad for this little kid now because you know he's gonna get the brunt of that pain, you know, or maybe well, not because he he, 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 he wins in the end though. He wins in the end. He so does. He okay. does. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so from there, the uh, rabbit comes up to Burke. This is a funny scene too because you know, yeah, man, rabbit got out of his shell and he's really thankful that he, that uh, Burke shaved him and all that good stuff. And, and he says he wants to escape and he's like, are you in or are you out? And Burke's like, why don't you just cool out for a little bit? And it's funny when it happens because Burke is standing next to, next to lasagna and, uh, and 
And this is actually the second time when someone told Lasagna to get the fuck yeah. out of their face. Because earlier I, I, it happened with Rab or with Rhino. I yeah, think. I was. I, we we kind of missed it the first time we were talking about it. But yeah, it was a it was a fun little uh, double joke sort of thing where every time uh, Burke uh, someone came up to talk to Burke, they would shoo Lasagna away. But yeah. at, and then it, but at this point, uh, at this point, he didn't leave. Like like with the rabbit one, he, you know, he he kind of just stayed. Yeah, he he yeah. The first time he split when uh, Rhino was there. And then this time yeah. he, he, he wasn't going to leave. And Rhino's like, okay, man, you can stay. You could say like, <laughs> cause Rhino's a little, yeah. or sorry, rabbits, rabbit, rabbit is like yeah. a little, uh, little weasel guy, you know? So he's just kind of, he's like, look, man, I got a plan here. And okay, fine. You, you, yeah. you're, you're cool, man. You could, you could stay then. You can listen to this. And, uh, and so he's like, I'm going to get in. I'm going to get out of this place right tonight. We're going to do this tonight, daddy. We're going to break out of here tonight. And, and he's, and he's there with his broken glasses. So, you know, he's <laughs> I like, know, like, dude. And he goes, are you in or are you out? You in or are you out? And Burke says, Burke just kind of like fucking cool as hell goes, well, good luck with that. And then they just yeah. walk off. He's like, yeah, yeah, daddy. Yeah. Okay, cool. Cool. Yeah. And so from there, uh, Catherine, is getting ready to leave. She, she was writing up the, like the incident report of what had happened and she's getting ready to leave. And, uh, and then she gets stopped by the warden, Carl and sharp. And, and he's like, Oh, did you finish up that incident report? The accident report. And, and, uh, she's like, yeah, I'm almost done with it. And he goes, Oh, well, I just want to review it. And he takes it from her basically trying to cover up what had happened in the, in the prison. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's not playing nice with her, no. essentially. And then still, at at this point now, this is like we've had this really horrific, horrific, traumatic thing happen, but it's still kind of a prison drama because they cut back to, um, like everyday life in the prison. A guy, Rhino's getting tattooed, and or he's giving a guy a tattoo, and people are getting their hair cut and singing and lasagna and tiny are kind of having a cool interaction back and forth and, and i i love this interaction because it's yeah, it's too. uh tiny and, and lasagna like uh it's arm wrestling? T- uh, lasagna keeps wanting to arm wrestle tiny he's like all right i got you this time and you know tiny yeah. looks completely un un nonplussed by it and he's just like okay and then every time he just he just you know it just destroys tiny or destroys uh lasagna so easily but it would there's nothing malicious about it like they were it was no. a bonding moment they were having fun and it showed that you know now these these two characters are, are bonding together and i was like fuck i love this i love this so much and and honestly a lot of it has to do with how they chose to portray tiny lister and i think that that says a lot about this movie i i keep i guess i keep coming back to it but i i think it's the best example of what i really enjoy about this movie yeah. and how it kind of like subverts your expectations or stereotypical expectations i should say and and that it's just the best example that I can think of to, to sort of portray that. No, I, I, you, you and I are on exactly on the same page. I feel the same way. Something about prison movies tend to like bring out these really cool kind of intimate moments with characters. And this one is, is right up there with some of my favorites of like really capturing kind of um, genuinely heartfelt moments. Cause that's a, a really cool moment. And, and at the same time, Sharp is down in the electric chair uh, checking it out. And he takes the cross from the beginning of the movie and he puts it on the chair and then the power goes out. Mm-hmm. And so now power's out all over the entire prison, which is kind of funny because uh, that happens a little bit later on. And Yeah, it's, it's used twice. 
yeah. And the, the second time around, I'm like, well, why didn't they do that the first time? But whatever. That's uh, I'll I'll let it pass. I'll let it pass. So yeah. as the power's out, Creasus is uh, cut to Creasus, and he's in his cell, and Burke's walking in, and Creasus freaks out uh, when he sees him. You know, he's he, like he's panicking, and he's sc- like practically screaming at Burke, and. And he's like, you know, you want a piece of me and I'll, you know, I'll take you out or whatever. And then suddenly he, Burke's like, Creases, it's, it's me. What, 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 what's, what's wrong? And he just says, I, you know, you look like someone I hadn't seen in a very long time. And, yeah. Uh, so they're starting to layer in this, this backstory that really doesn't come to fruition until the end. Um, and then at the same time, it doesn't come to the, the fruition that you, that I think they sort of were setting it up to be, and they even said that in the the documentary that uh, they originally wanted Vigo's character to be the son of of the guy that oh. you know they they yeah that they fried or whatever, but they moved away from that, and and so it kind of creates these little bit of like I think it creates these little bit of wonky moments, but at the same time, I just, at the time I just took it as as Creases like was just, you know, having like a little bit of a of a mind flutter. Like it wasn't yeah. like he really thought like uh Burke looked like um uh Forsyth. Like I but knowing what we know behind the scenes, he was supposed to be looking like Forsyth right there. I'm I'm totally cool with the way it was executed in the movie and and yeah. I would have liked to have seen more of that. That would have made it makes total sense because it's essentially 20 years later and he would have he would have been the age he is in the movie. Uh, I would have loved that because it would have made it. I just would have made it. It would, that would have been really cool. Um, yeah. But and then they said the reason they didn't go that route was they just wanted to make it more uh, ambiguous. And they thought that would just make it a little bit more interesting. But I feel like they made that decision after they had already filmed the pieces necessary to make the other direction happen. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, no, it totally, it totally makes sense. Um, yeah, it to- totally. Ma- and, and in the, the reveal at the end, you're like, okay, that's still really cool too. You know, the, the, yeah. the way you mean the, the newspaper clipping or the newspaper or clipping. Cause, cause yeah. let's be honest. There are people that look like other people actually that yeah. reminds me and I'll have to find it and I'll show you um, back in the eighties a guy had robbed a little Caesars pizza in our neighborhood and they did a sketch of him and all they had was the, uh, the, the composite sketch. It looks just like me and I'm not even joking. <laughs> like, I want to see that. It's your yeah, doppelganger, man. I'll, I'll find it. I have to dig it out, okay. uh, but I will definitely, we'll, we'll put that on our Instagram. Yeah. Um, if, if you find that, send that to me. I'll put it on the Instagram. <laughs> yeah. I'll put, do like side by side of me at that, at that time. Okay. So while that's, so of course, the power goes out, and continuity-wise, it works. The guards are locking down. It's not like they're just letting everybody hang out in their cells. and uh, Or, well, they are hanging out in their cells, but I mean outside of their cells. And while that's going down, Rabbit's like, well, this is the time. I'm going to split, baby. And uh, and he's sharing a cell with Sandor. And Sandor's like, don't do it. He's telling him not to. You know, He's like, you don't want to do you don't want to mess with this. And uh, he's just got a bad vibe about it. And Rabbit's like, whatever, man, I'm going to split. See, yeah, I'm going to get out of here. So uh, he doesn't talk like that, by the way, but it's just my bad impression. Uh, <laughs> and so while that's happening, Wallace is going around or, uh, and checking the cells while Rabbit's escaping. And that's when he, Wallace sees Burke and he's like, you know, given Burke shit and Burke's like, Hey, you know, if you ever need a hand again, you let me know. And, uh, Oh yeah. Okay. That's yeah. That, that was it. That's where he kind of rubbed his face in it. Yeah. Yeah. And then, 
Wallace checks on Sandor and Rabbit, and he's like, uh, you know, Sandor covers for Rabbit escaping by saying that he's sleeping, and he's like, why did you give the guy some rest? He's had a long day or whatever. Yeah, which was like, cool. I, I like that Sandor covered for him, knowing that, you know, probably when, when they discovered that Rabbit was gone, that Sandor would get in trouble for that. Yeah. You know, yeah, like, I like that he still did it, you know? Yeah, it, it's, you know, that kind of stereotypical prison life. You, like, you get the other guys back no matter what, right? And uh, Or you make him your bitch, I guess. And so, or you kill him. I guess there's three choices there. <laughs> there's three so, choices. Three choices in life. I, you know, bitch, I think kill I think or that's the same. I think that's the same three choices every human is faced when they meet another person. You either become <laughs> friends with them, you, or you kill them, or you make them your bitch. <laughs> that's, that's it. That all human interaction boils down to those three things. <laughs> you, you better clip this and put it on the uh, like a little soundbite because that's a perfect soundbite. Um, so while yeah, while that's happening, Sandor starts praying to the gods for rabbit safety and uh because he's got a bunch of little uh to harken back to hardware he's got his like his little totems like yeah his um, little shrine little shrine shrine or, or whatever and and real quick i just want to take a side note here that i did note that i wasn't quite sure what was allowed and what wasn't allowed in this prison because there were yeah. some people even after like the first day there were some people on the top uh levels that were like wearing their baseball caps and stuff yeah. and i'm like so what like i so i I got the sense that this was not a maximum security prison. Um, and, and the thing is, like, I feel like we always see TV shows and movies about maximum security. So yeah. I, th- I feel like we always have, like, this idea of, of how they're supposed to be. So I guess this was uh, – is it just a minimum security prison or, like, a just a, a normal security prison, I guess, like middle of the road type of thing? I mean, I will say this might be one of the flaws of the movie uh, because you got one hand where – lasagna is getting his poster confiscated but everyone else can have tattoo equipment because shit gets shit does get brought into the prison i get that and i didn't get the sense timeline wise that this has been very long since they reopened the prison so this influx of just crap that everybody has i'm like is that maybe that's a little bit of a flaw on the writing where it just that didn't jive very well for me but i kind of let it go so like Cassandra had a full on display. <laughs> yeah. I mean like like straight up like burning incense and everything or whatever. Yeah, but dude. like yeah, I, I I'm I'm with you. I think the, the they were more concerned uh, on character development than they were on portraying accurate prison life and n- that's not a detriment to this film at all i easily overlooked it i was like okay i was like mm, you know i scratched my head but i was like you know what fuck it who who gives a shit because i get it you need some of these elements in it and if you didn't just go for it, you would have to spend all this time sort of explaining it. And yeah. this movie moves at a very quick pace. It doesn't have much filler. Uh, any filler that it does have is character-centric filler yeah. that's necessary. So th- I, I'm okay with the choices that they made. And it did not. it does not hinder this film in the slightest. No, I totally agree. I totally agree. Um, for a movie that's a little over an hour and 40 minutes, it doesn't feel like it at some points. So you're like, whoa, wait it's almost over. That's crazy. Cause I remember checking the the time and I'm like, wait, we're, we're almost halfway through this thing. That's crazy to me that it went by so fast, but we're approaching gore scene number two. Uh, Ooh. Ooh, and this is a good one. Hey everybody, Corey here. I just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. 
Hey everybody, welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim, and with me today in studio is co-host Dean. Oh, hey, Dean. hey, Tim. Dean. Huh? Uh, this isn't a full episode. This is actually just an ad. All we have to do is tell everyone that our podcasts come out on Mondays and they can find us on their favorite podcatcher. If they're into movies, comics, or video games, they should definitely check us out. Oh, well then... Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Talking Back. Hello, everybody. I'm Adam. I'm John. And every week, we are giving you a blast from our past. We are the podcast that brings you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, album reviews, top tens, and more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. So please join us every single week on the Blast From Our Past podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, however you listen to podcasts, you can find us, and we would love to have you take a trip with us to the land of nostalgia. What's up, guys? I'm Tess. And I'm Corey. And we are the ongoing comic book discussion podcast, the place where one guy and one gal dive into the world of comic books one adventure at a time. That's right. You can find us every Wednesday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or any of your favorite podcatchers. So come check out OCD Podcasts, where comic books are cool. Cool. Hey, this is Brent. And I'm Eric. And we are part of the Friday Five Podcast. Yes, sir. We cover everything from the 80s to today. We absolutely do. You can find us every other Friday on any of your favorite podcasting platforms. Like iTunes? Like Stitcher. Oh, man. Maybe a little Spotify. Hey, and also check us out on Instagram. Absolutely. So come hang out. I think you'll have a lot of fun, and we will see you there. Yeah, bring your Proton Pack and your Ecto Cooler. And maybe some McNugget Buddies. And now, back to the show. So gore scene number two is about to commence. Rabbit is getting chased by... So Rabbit's escaping, and he's going through what I imagine is like the rafters of the prison, um, like some sort of and, and, and area. unlike Shawshank Redemption, there's no like build up to this. There's no, no like Rabbit case the joint, you know. He's just making a go for it and he's he's getting pretty far. Yeah. And I think you can kind of like give it a pass because you know how how under disrepair this prison is. But again, this is another one of those areas where they were like, you know what? Fuck it. It it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be like a perfect prison movie. They would rather it be a better horror movie than yes. a prison movie and I, I I approve of every decision that they make yeah th- this speaks to his mentality f- from the get-go because if you think about what he did in the beginning of the movie where he you know uh, tried to take the, the the prison bus and escape through the prison and he's just driving around aimlessly the guy's an idiot he's an idiot so he's yeah. just kind of going yeah. for it he's going to go wherever he can go and find whatever out he can find um, and so as he's doing that he's going through this kind of weird like rafter tunnel vent area and you start to see you see the the energy of the spirit coming in the blue light starts to come in and you start seeing the pipes and the and the cords all around him that he's surrounded by and they're getting they're moving around and as he's moving deeper into this labyrinth of uh, wires and pipes and uh, it's getting more and more enclosed like picture 
just you know uh, being in a in, in a giant you know wilderness bush like just every, he's he's surrounded by wires and pipes and they're getting more and yeah. more encased around him and then his glasses fall off which is a great um a great moment because now he's like oh shit i can't see and but he just keeps now he's on his hands and his knees and he's crawling and as he's crawling again he's getting more wrapped up in these cables which is so suffocating and now he's just like totally captured by these by these pipes and you see one pipe go around his head and the uh the pipe is it's got the open ring like the the circular part and it starts pushing into his head and you see blood coming out of his mouth and he starts screaming and you see the it's such a subtle scene because it's not overly gory yet but the pipe just goes it basically just uh, grinds into his skull. And, yeah, yeah, and, and 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 at first, like the at the very beginning of this, it was so subtle. Like he doesn't see the the pipes moving, and you as no. a viewer, if you're not looking for it, you, you, it's kind of like just very subtly starting to to move. And I thought that was very well done. I thought it was really really cool how how subtle it started, and then how how he just basically, like you said, gets trapped. And he, I wrote down, rabbit dies a horrible death, dude. Yeah, because you're about to find out truly yeah. how bad it was uh so the extent from, of it <laughs> yeah because you, you hear him scream yeah yeah you hear him scream and then it cuts to the next scene which is essentially the next day in the mess hall um everybody's coming in to get their food and Catherine's sitting with sharp at the table um the main table as they walk in and she's like i fucking murk like she gives him these googly eyes like oh my gosh this guy is my boyfriend and i want to marry him oh my gosh he's so amazing so hot with his with his long sideburns mm. <laughs> that's my bad Catherine <laughs> wig imp- impersonation um so they so burke sits burke's with lasagna his his bff and they sit down i love this like kind of group that's sitting together cuz it's it's burke and lasagna Tiny, uh, Croesus, and Sandor. Like, that's yeah. the, the five. Yeah, that's our main guys. Yeah, and it's cool that they, for whatever reason, and, and you don't need it. You don't need to know why they're bonded together, but they're, that's kind of like, that's, that's, the, that's the group. That's the, the main dudes that are going to kind of get through this film, hopefully. Uh, and while they're talking, they're talking about, you know, what's going on, and that rabbit escaped last night, and you see, like, blood dripping from a light fixture above lasagna's food and the blood drips into his food and he takes a bite of the food as after the blood drips in you definitely need to see this on blu-ray because i did not necessarily pick up on that on the vhs version yeah and and then you see the blood dripping and then everybody kind of notices it and and the the ceiling starts to crack and rabbit falls through the ceiling this is the first of two ceiling crashers one going up instead of down. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> just figured that out, by the way. Uh, and Rabbit falls through. Well, it's hard to tell if it's Rabbit because it's it's basically just a bunch of body parts flop to onto the mess hall tables uh, and everyone scatters. And it's just like guts and blood and entrails and eyeballs. Two eyeballs. All being like 
all being like kept together by these metal girder beams and everything. Yeah. It's like it's just a it's it's meat. It's like meat and metal just fall through the ceiling, meat which is why metal, you know he, he does fall through the ceiling because he's got he's so heavy. He's got so much metal, but like it's so gory. And they show some shots of it, and it looks like the one pipe went through his mouth and came out out of his jaw and everything. Yeah. Like it is it is it's like meaty and pulpy Ugh. and and gory. And this was one of the images that was on the back of the of the movie of the vhs uh you know thing the tape and i think i just assumed that yeah he got just got fucked up by another prisoner or something like that like he got beat down but yeah this was uh this was gory as hell and it was shocking it was uh shocking in how good it was all the special effects in this are very very good uh sans um, uh, Hershey's fake, like robotic, uh, you know, a total recall two weeks head, you know, like I just the, the fake heads, it's always hard to do a fake head, but it is, aside from that fake head, it, this, every bit of special effects in this movie are fantastic. Unless you spend $25,000 like executioner did for that, that glorious <laughs> yep. headshot. Uh, yeah, but, um, yeah. And, and you can tell like the pipe that went into his head initially probably like went into, in through his br- skull in through his brain, out through his mouth, down back in through his throat, like so disgusting. And I love the idea of a, a ghost manipulating things, just household items. Um, you know, unlike uh, Maximum Overdrive, but that's a whole other story. But anyways, <laughs> um, so that happens. Sharp wants answers because you cut to him, you know, arguing with Catherine. Catherine's like, you know, we need to do an investigation. And, uh, and Sharp's like, you know, if they want to be treated like animals, we're going to treat them like animals. And, you know, she's trying to have, she's the voice of reason. And he screams at her and, you know, tells her, basically tells her to get escorted out of the prison at that point. And now we're commencing with, I wrote searches. There's always got to be a search scene in every prison movie where they just shred everybody's shit, destroy everything. And cells get tossed. Uh, Sharp's pissed because all they end up finding are like a few. The quote unquote, it's funny. The quote unquote contraband is like the smallest little baggie of contraband. It's like a spoon and like a little makeshift shiv and, uh, you know, a razor blade. And like that, it's like, it's like six items. It's like that. We found all this. I'm like, oh, okay. That that's the rest of the stuff is fine. (laughs) And that's when he's like, you know, if they want to, if, if, uh, Everybody's like, if they if they act like animals, we're gonna treat them like animals, and uh, and then from there, because he's like he wants to find out who killed Rabbit, and from there, everyone is outside, uh, all in, naked. Everyone's in their underwear, and they're standing there freezing their asses off. And apparently, this scene took a long time to shoot, and they only had enough sunscreen for the principal actors. That's why if you look at the the, the extras in this scene. They're like beat red because they were all sunburned from being out in the sun all day. And I mean, the the extras are all inmates, so yeah. who gives a shit? I guess was the mentality. <laughs> yeah, no, I think you're right. They're like, yeah, we only got. I love that. It was like a fun fact. They only had enough sunscreen for the principal actors. I'm like, that's really <laughs> fucked up. That's really fucked up. You, you couldn't have just send somebody to the store and Come go get on. more. <laughs> I know it's Wyoming, but just send some random PA to the store and go yeah. get more. For God's sake, send Irwin Yablin's son, Mickey to go get that shit you know yeah uh, and so so from there all their mattresses are sitting in the center of the 
the, the courtyard. Um, and that's, I love, I love, uh, Sharp's delivery of this line. He's like, you don't have cells. You have cages. <laughs> it's like, oh, dude, are you cutting a promo for the next WWF Saturday night's <laughs> main event? Uh, and then, yeah, he strips him down for a body search. He's like, you know, get ready for a body search, brother. And, uh, he's not going to let them return to their cells until a name gets coughed up. And from there, this, I, this is kind of a weird scene. We cut to Catherine in her, in her hotel room and the phone, and she's, she gets a call from this guy, Joe. And I'm assuming Joe is kind of like her, it's her boss. And in the beginning of the yeah. movie, when she's in her meeting, uh, there is kind of like a head guy there. His name doesn't get mentioned in that scene, but I'm yeah. assuming that's Joe. It's kind of a weird moment, but whatever. It's not a big deal. Um, and she wants to shut down the prison and she's like, it's not safe there. The prisoners are not safe there. It's just, again, adding, she's again, the voice of reason, right? Right. Cut, cuts in the next day. It's now sunrise and everybody's still outside in the same spots and they're all, well, well, we, we, you miss the fact that they, that they burned the mattresses. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah. the, the night before. And, and I, I know that, uh, they were saying on the documentary that, uh, cause you know, that you're filming it and they're dousing the mattresses with, with, uh, lighter fluid or, you know, kerosene or whatever. And, uh, but you know, you're filming it, so you have to do it multiple times. So by the time they go to light it, um, it just, it er- like erupts. And, yeah. uh, and you know, Ren- they, he said that Rennie Harlan was like, you know, if it's hot, you guys can step back, you know, it's okay. Don't worry. He gave the direction. So yeah. right when the lit it up everyone was like whoa and you could see like everyone took a step back basically because it was just so much flames (laughs) yeah because because this thing goes up like a as to quote paul stanley from uh from kiss from one of his famous concerts this thing's gonna go up like a damn christmas tree (laughs) people like a like a Christmas tree doused in kerosene. Yeah, Come actually, on. you know what? A better a better metaphor is they went up like a mattress doused in kerosene. <laughs> exactly. You're right. You're right. That didn't work. But I, I just wanted to do a bad. I I wanted to do a bad and Paul Stanley impression. No, that's a very important. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, and that's where he comes up. The you know, he's like, you don't have cells, you have cages. Uh. Brother. Yeah, yeah. So 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 the next day they're all still standing <laughs> yeah. there and they and you can tell they're tired because they've been standing there all night essentially. Yes. And yeah. and that's when Greasis kind of falls over. Yeah, Creasus is like stumbling and Burke's like, Come on, Creasus, you can do this, and he falls over. And when he does, he falls down, and the guy's like the oldest guy there, right? Wallace walks over and steps on his hand just because he's a dick, and uh Burke pushes him. And that's when that's when uh, Burke pushes Wallace. Wallace draws his gun, and then next thing you know, that's when Carl Carl comes over to kind of try to cool everything down, cool the situation down. Tells Wallace to cool off. Wallace storms off, and then you cut to Wallace in his office. And this is a really funny scene to begin with. This is Gore scene number three. <laughs> mm-hmm. For those of you keeping track at home. Um, He's in his office, which looks kind of like a, a tool shed, uh, yeah. a la Evil well, Dead's is tool it, shed. Is it really an office, or is it just like a, a tool, like yeah. a, a tool shed type? It's of not thing. an office. I mean, yeah, I call it the beat room because there's a bunch of smut mags on the on the yeah, uh, on the table, and, and I'm like, yeah, this is probably where all the prison guards go to beat off and sharpen their knives. So, uh, so he's in there, and he's trying to relax, and and so. 
he's looking at a ma- like smut mag magazine with this like kind of look on his face. I'm like God, dude, he's got got such a dick look on his face. And as this is happening, you start seeing the spirit kind of enter the room and things start moving around. Um, like weapons are moving around. And then you see the barbed wire that's coiled up on the table start to move around and it uncoils and it wraps around Wallace around its throat. And that's when really, really well done. Like, like they do a good job with the, the, yeah, the, the, the barbed wire special effect and, and everything. And even the barbed wire, like it sort of gets into the shotgun and, uh, you know, that's what Wallace sort of like sees and it it shoots, but like it misses him. So you're like, okay, you think he's saved, but yeah, then the barbed wire essentially just starts wrapping itself around him. Yeah, uh, totally. But because, but because of the, the gunshot, the other guards now, now know to, to go check on him and they can't get in. Yeah. That, the gunshot, uh, yeah, wrap, the the barbed wire wraps through the gun, sh- the shotgun, goes off, uh, and that's when the guards start to come and check on him, uh, or, or Carl does specifically. But, but I love the scene because the barbed wire, barbed wire always freaks me out, and this looks like real barbed wire. It yeah. like it's yeah, pushing it into his skin. It's really gory and gross looking, and now it cuts back to. Uh, you know, Carl's trying to get the, the door open to the, the shed and it cuts back to Wallace, who's now totally wrapped around his face, wrapped around his eyeballs, like everything's bulging out. The blood's just pouring off his face and he's screaming awesome. as one would awesome. scream. Yeah, this image is the image that was on the cover, either Fangoria or Gorezone or something like that back in the day. Uh, I, I think at one point I might have put it on my wall, which to think now is totally gross. But because uh, I was like I was like 10 or 11 years old, no, 12 years old. And so finally Carl gets the door open and uh and as as Carl opens up the door to go into the shed to help Sharp Sharp again second shooting through the ceiling now up instead of down uh Wallace shoots up through the ceiling and it just happens to be the upper floor just happens to be Sharp's office yeah or the warden's office oh where Sharp God. is. And as this happens, Sharp's like, <laughs> I mean, he's sitting at his desk, and then, of course, like, Wallace's body, like, it jettisons, like, shoots through his floor, right? Like, like uh, uh, Sharp's floor. Yes. And, but it's, it's like, perfectly facing, you know, uh, uh, Sharp as if, you know, that chair would already be there. But I got to say, I did not see that coming um, I, because I thought, you know, you, you see Carl gets in there, and he's looking at, you know, he can't get to um, Wallace because of all the the barbed wire and everything i did not i just thought that was how it was sort of going to end or whatever i did not expect to see him then shoot up through the the ceiling and <laughs> it was like oh my god it was awesome and i mean he's so it's always like the, the blood in this movie the gore is so pulpy so like like chunky you know like it looks like his head it, like yeah. the skull like erupted while it went through the ceiling like like to add insult to injury like what actually killed him was his head blowing through the ceiling you know like he yeah. was alive up until then yeah you know? that's and what then, i was thinking you know, i mean it's crazy and then fucking you know sharp is like screaming and then so of course carl hears that from downstairs and runs upstairs yeah he, like, oh my god yeah and, and like the you know the barbed wire is still connected to something down uh, down yeah. on the floor below and and yeah sharp is <laughs> oh so sharp notices at this point that wallace has the crucifix the cross necklace yeah uh he's holding it 
and and Carl runs in to see what's going on, and Sharp's like, "It's real! It's real!" Right, <laughs> brother. And so suddenly you hear a gunshot go off outside. You cut back, like you don't get a chance to like catch a breath. Yeah, it's just limited. there's no breathing at no. this point. It's at relentless. this point, we're in high gear for the rest of the movie, pretty much. Yeah. So at this, yeah, because I forget what this is. Probably the little less than the hour mark. This might be like the 50 minute mark or 52 minute mark at this point when all this shit's going down, we still have another 40 minutes to go of just like balls to the wall, shit hitting the fan now at this point and cuts to outside and Croesus has, is now holding a guard's rifle uh, on another guard. And, and then he's like, I want to see Ethan. And you, and you find out that Sharp's first name is Ethan and uh, Ethan comes out, and and he's like, Ethan, Ethan, you're scared as I am, you know. Ever since you, ever since you uh, set your eyes on on this boy here, and they look, he cuts over to Burke, and you're like, wait, wait, okay, so there's a connection be- now between Croesus and Sharp. What's their relationship, right? And oh, and then I did it. Is that when I think that's when Croesus says, you know. You know, I saw this man kill someone and uh, it says that about Sharp. And he's like, you know, I, you know, I'm not going to be stuck in this prison. And he takes the rifle and he blows a hole in his foot. Yeah, he shoots his own Creases foot. Does. Like you think he's going to shoot sh- uh, Sharp, but Creases shoots like his own foot. And, and yeah. 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 He sh- shoots himself in the foot. And then I'm like, whoa, shit. That, 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 okay. That's a game changer because he thought he was going to kill sharp or try to kill him but now he's going to go into the infirmary which is where this ends up going you know that's where creases ends up going and at the same time the power goes out and then the prisoners riot uh and and then well wait is is this when they take um uh, before the power goes out is this when they take uh burke down into solitary uh i think is it this scene that burke has to go down to solitary that's right sorry yeah so yeah so creases shoots himself in the foot uh burke is like you know, what the hell are you doing, man? That's all he does is kind of question what's going on. Yeah. And, and, and Sharp says, you know, I want this man brought down to solitary immediately. And you're like, for what? That's what I wrote down. I'm like, for what? What did he do? Yeah. Like, he didn't do anything. Yeah. You know, but yeah. clearly Sharp is now flipped the switch. He's totally Un- mental. Unhinged. Yeah. He's now unhinged. Um, and, and when they took uh, when they take Burke down there, I, I just it, I just thought it was weird that he was in his underwear upstairs, but then he gets down to solitary and he's naked. Yeah. And apparently, uh, uh, Vigo Mortensen didn't want to do these scenes naked in there. So when you uh, when they have other shots of going back into uh, the the solitary prison uh, where you know where he is later, uh, he has his underwear on there. And and they Rennie Harlan said that. Um, they were intention to was to have him wear his underwear, but like sort of shoot it so that he was naked. But they, I don't think they they didn't do that. So it created this weird oh. little little thing to me where I was like, why is he like why is he naked only in the one shot of the guard taking off his handcuffs? You know, to put him into in like if they literally just kept him in underwear for that, the whole scene would have continuity to it. I, I don't understand why they felt the need to be, have him naked there. Yeah, that didn't make sense. Um, and clearly that makes sense now, knowing that he didn't want to be naked in those scenes. So yeah, then maybe they were just pressed for time or 
you know, need, needed to use. That was the only shot they had because yeah, they film him in the water. There, there's water in those scenes too. Like, yeah. And, and they say, apparently it was like freezing cold and it was like something like 36 degrees or something like that. Like, uh, it was, it was like one of the fun facts that, that <laughs> IMDB has on this and IMDB has a shit ton of fun facts, which is really cool. Uh, yeah. surprisingly, but yeah, he, he's freezing his ass off down there. So you get the sense like he's truly like suffering, um, suffering for his craft. And while this was, while this is all going on, the prisoners are rioting, uh, the guards are battling them to kind of keep them in their cells, and they because the power goes out and you you get the sense like oh everyone's just kind of split now but the guards are able to maintain some sort of control and physically lock everybody inside their cells so that goes down as that's happening you know sandor's sandor screams out he's like we're all gonna die in this prison we're all gonna die and you're like well you're not you're not entirely wrong <laughs> so from there we cut to Catherine in her budget hotel room and she's coming out of the shower. Is she coming out of the shower? Yeah, she's coming out of the shower. And apparently uh, Rennie Harley wanted to do a bathtub scene with her naked, but she refused. So there's that. <clears throat> Anyways, uh, the alarm goes off in her hotel room and it's playing like this. I'm sure they, they couldn't because they filmed this movie on the cheap, they couldn't get like a legit 60s song, but it kind of has a 60s vibe yeah, to it. Yeah, the vibe to it, yeah. Yeah, the television comes on without her touching anything, and it's an old 60s uh, car commercial. Well, and then, what's all specifically 1968, so like her radio, like 64, her clock 64. radio thing, okay, 64, yeah, her clock radio thing, uh, when it just, when the radio comes on, the the numbers, instead of saying like 8.23, you know, p.m., it changes to 1964, and then yeah. the TV is talking about, um, you know, how Tiffany uh, Company or whatever gave the 1964 uh, 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 Mustang like an award or something like that, and and then and then her computer screen, like her freaking nineteen, you know, eighty five computer monitor, starts like you know flickering and saying nineteen sixty four, and like so basically at first you're like what's going on, and then you're like okay, the ghost is basically trying to say nineteen sixty four, like look into nineteen sixty four essentially. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, the, yeah, because the, the computer's going off and going crazy, and yeah, all that shit goes down, and and it just immediately cuts back to uh, the prisoners in their cell and lasagna. And Sandor are talking to each other with that, like the mirror shot, you know, the mirrors. Yeah. And they're talking about like who did, who killed, uh, who did all the killing and, you know, and, and, and lasagna is like, you know, I think it was Burke and Sandor's like, no, it wasn't Burke. And, and they're speculating about who did it. And Sandor's like, you know, I want to conjure Kana to see if we can uh, get rid of this spirit. Cause it's, it's a spirit that did the killing. Like Sandor's convinced that it was a spirit. Yeah. Chango, he calls him, I think. He's like, I want to summon Kana to see if we if we can get rid of this spirit, and uh, and then you cut to Sharp in his office painting his bullets, right? Okay, okay. What was that? I have a question about that. He it, he's got some kind of dab thing that he's dabbing his his index finger on this like flat like tray, you know, some kind of greasy substance or whatever, and he's putting it on the tips of all of his bullets. Is that a is that a cleaning method? I, I don't know. Like he's literally just putting this substance on the tip of the bullets, but yet he's using his finger to do it. I I didn't get that. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I know in movies like 
I think it was what the executioner or the exterminator when the, uh, he painted his tips with like nitric nitrous a- nitrous yeah. oxide or whatever. But um, this was this wasn't that though. Like this looked no. more like uh, something else. No, and I feel like there probably there's a scene that got cut that explains right. that. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah I, I've seen that done in other movies too, where they paint the tips, and I'm like, what are they gonna what? Because he wants to yeah. make sure that it's his bullets that went, took people out. I don't know. Oh, good. That's actually a really good point. Never thought about that. Okay. Okay. Like, cool. Oh, I'm the ones with the polka dots. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> pull the bullet out of his chest. The one with the polka dots is mine. Just want to get full credit for that. Um, so yeah, he's painting his, he's painting his bullets and he's like looking down, not even paying attention really to Carl, but he says, you know, I take full responsibility. I want you to arm all the guards. And, uh, and, and I'm like, at this point, I'm like, aren't all the guards armed already? But okay, sure. Like it's more, even more locked down. So now we cut back to Catherine, who's kind of like at a city hall, hall of records yeah. place. And she's talking to the dude that works there about what happened in 1964 or around this time. And, um, and the, the guy at the office is like, Oh, that was when there was the big killing at the prison. And he pulls out the news articles and it's about a prisoner kills another prisoner and gets sentenced to the electric chair for it. And the only witnesses to that killing were Croesus and Sharp and right. then for killing an inmate. And then you find out the name of the person who was executed. His name is Charles Forsyth. And they pan up to the face of Charles Forsyth, and it looks just like Burke. Yeah. And it's, 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 yeah, it's perfect because um, it's, you know, it's, it's newspaper print. So it's not like perfectly sharp and high def. And yeah. even though we're watching like a Blu-ray, I'm like squinting and I'm like, is that Vigo Mortensen? Like, and, and it is, the, yeah. the answer is it is, but it's so perfectly not sharp, not per, not perfectly HD that you can sort of question it. And then you sort of can see how Croesus was like, yeah, that's you. You know what I mean? Yep, like that totally. scene, you, you remember back of the scene. Um, but yeah, so like, so now you know that there is at least there's an, a hardcore connection between Croesus and Sharp because there's a picture of them together, you know, next to uh, Forsyth. And it's Forsyth who you're kind of like squinting and you're like, is that Vigo Mortensen? But yeah, and then this is where they were trying to make it that that he was either the reincarnation or the son of of Forsyth, but they kind of uh, made him just more of his own character type of thing. Yeah, and I mean, it, it works both ways. I, th- I feel like it totally works. And I, I took it as more like, oh, yeah, people look like people all the time, so, you yeah, know, yeah. that works yeah, for n- me. Yeah, nothing... None of the stuff that that was like none of the potholes in this movie at all hold it back from no. from the, the amazing greatness that it is. Yeah, and so from there you you cut to Sandor uh, trying to conjure up Kana and Burke, and then you cut to Burke being in solitary, and you know Sandor is like uh, recognizing that he's going to have to do like a blood sacrifice, and he takes this piece of glass and he starts. This is gore scene number four, three. Now, where, uh, to, yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Four now. Four. And uh, and he's he takes this glass and he's cutting into his chest. And I get that it's a makeup effect that he's cutting into his chest, but just the idea alone is so horrible to even fathom. Like he's taking this, and it looks great. Oh, it looks great. And he's cutting like this circle in his chest. It's so disgusting. And the circle plays a really big part in in a little bit. Yeah. So as he's trying to do that. 
uh, Burke is like looking at the lock or the, the opening uh, to the, where they put the food in to solitary confinement. And he's trying to figure out, like try to, ha- he's trying to figure out how to get out, which is a really cool scene. Cause it's very subtle and you get the sense that he's, because uh, it goes back to what he said earlier in the movie. He can pick any lock, you know, and, and the older the lock, the easier to do it. And then it cuts back to Sandor, who's got this cool, creepy prayer where he's like, I summon the creature of power, uh, you know, with the darkness of power. I summon yeah. the creature of hatred with hatred and like pain with pain. Waste with I like waste. that. I really enjoyed that. And he's like, he's really getting into it. Like he's, you know, it's, it's a real, he, it's, he's just like, oh, you know, it's, it's really cool. I, as a cool moment, it's a cool scene. Yeah. He's like, you know, after he, he says his chant, he's like, show yourself, Chungo, show yourself, show yourself. And then right after that happens, this light just blasts through a hole in his cell into his chest and knocks him against the cell of his, uh, the cell door. And, that hole of light on his chest blasts a hole through his entire body. Loved like, it. I was like, <laughs> yes. This and, obliterates uh, him. Yeah. I was like, yes, that's so freaking cool. And of course, uh, you know, because everything is electricity based and I like the fact that they never forget that. So yeah. like when the light goes through, the electricity also goes through and starts shocking like the, the guards cages and yep. stuff like that, you know, and, and basically more chaos ensues. But that practical effect, especially, uh, you know, being shot from behind, you know, showing the, the light explode through his back, you know, was wonderful. It was, it was gory. It was bloody. It was well done and then just the ray of light going through him created was really cool it's almost like a laser blast right yeah it was like a huge laser blast like with his with his guts and entrails and everything just like spilling out it was so cool dude it honestly it felt like a mortal combat fatality oh yeah yeah oh that's a great uh great great analogy (laughs) dude for sure (laughs) so from there yeah you cut back to burke in his cell and it's all quiet and uh he finally breaks out. He breaks out through the, gets the door open. And I just wrote success. Yay. He got out. Yay. And then as he does, you get cut back to the spirit blasting, you know, the prisoners one by one and, uh, releasing all the, all the cells are, are now opening up and letting the prisoners out. And you cut back to Burke who knocks out the guard who's guarding his cell and they don't show it, but he takes his uniform um, and all the prisoners are trying to get out of the prison cause everyone's freaking out now. And, uh, he breaks, Burke breaks into, I'm assuming it's like one of the guards offices or the warden's office. Uh, and then when he goes in there, he sees like this TV monitor or computer monitor glowing and he's getting closer and closer to it. And at the same time in Catherine's, uh, Catherine's, hotel room the same thing's happening and her monitor explodes and his monitor explodes his right in his face and yeah. after it explodes Catherine picks up a, a piece of paper from the printer connected to her computer and it says 1964 1964 very similar to um john carpenter's prince of darkness where it says oh oh Oh, yeah. oh, sorry. I'm sorry. I don't mean to. Um, uh, the the first time was when it said 1964. This time it says the prison dies tonight. The prison yes. dies tonight. That's right. Yes. So yeah. Now it's. it's I'm, just, I'm sorry. Yeah. No, no, no. It's okay. It just reminded me of of Prince of Darkness when similar thing happens in that. But yeah, it says the prison dies tonight, and that's all it says. Like 
you know, all yeah. work and no play make Jack a dull boy, which I'm sure yeah. they, they, that's where they got it from. But whatever, it's a spirit doing it. So it makes it even more freaky. But I guess in a sense, it was a spirit possessing Jack Nicholson's character, too. Yeah, right? that's yeah. Whole same thing. Uh, yeah. Anyways, Sharp leaves his office, cutting back to him and with a guard. And he and, uh, you know, he's marching down and to kind of like take control of what's going on. And all the prisoners are trying to get out. And as they do, this guard has a gun on everyone. It's like one guard on like 30 prisoners. And he's like, everybody freeze. Yeah. And, and, this... and of course, he's like the, the young guard, you yeah. know, of course, you know. And, and oh, I love this scene. I, I love this scene, too. <laughs> yeah. Th- this uh, fun fact that that prison guard was in a movie uh, Shoot to Kill, which is a cool Sidney Poitier, Tom Berenger oh, okay. crime thriller. Uh, he plays an FBI guy in that. But anyways, uh, yeah, Tiny tries to defuse the whole situation, and he's being really calm. And he's like, look, Johnson, man, you don't want to do this. You don't want to do this. We're all together. We're all one. We all want to get out of here. You're part of us now. And he's getting closer and closer to Johnson. He's like, just give me the gun, man. Give me the gun. And and you think it's gonna he's going to do that, but Johnson freaks out, being a little bitch, and he shoots Tiny in the stomach. And you're like, oh, man. And Tiny fucking takes it he goes yeah he does that like he takes the the, the buckshot right to the stomach and then starts like hitting himself you know that whole thing and he just basically you know of course this at this point johnson or whatever that kid's name is he's terrified because he didn't mean to shoot him like you could tell like it was like his finger just sort of twitched or whatever and but uh but fucking tiny picks him up and and then just like like just like throws him down and destroys him um but i was like (laughs) First off, I loved how Tiny was the one that tried to defuse him, and I do truly believe that if he didn't get shot, he wouldn't have hurt uh, Johnson. I, I really truly believe that. But yeah. Yeah. I could not believe that they the choice that they made of having Tiny Lister getting shot in the stomach by buckshot and surviving it. Like I knew he was going to die. Like I was like, this is this is his death. You know, I get yeah. it. That guy's going to get torn apart. I did not expect him to take it. <laughs> no, and he takes it. He you turns know? he turns full Zeus from No Holds Barred. Yeah. Like he's doing that whole. Yeah like turns into a monster and he and he cracks johnson like when he throws johnson on the ground johnson is like broken in half his his arms are like displayed in a way like he just every bone is broken you know and so he falls (laughs) to the ground and lasagna checks on him and he's like you know you know we gotta get you out of here man he's like just leave me man just go just go just get out of here and of course lasagna utters the the cliche line he's like well i'm gonna come back for you like no you're not no i mean i wouldn't like no, no one would once you're out you're out if you get out but we'll find out what happens in a second. And uh, so Lasagna picks up the shotgun and he's like telling everybody he's kind of suddenly in charge, which is, which is kind of odd to me, but whatever. Uh, he tells everyone to be smart and check out the gun tower. And that's where Rhino's like, you know, no, you got the gun, man, but I'll go out with you. And then suddenly I'm like, wait, Rhino, you're going to go out with Lasagna. Okay. That's interesting. Probably because he want that's he feel like that's his best way to get out. Who knows? Yeah. And he goes out with lasagna outside. And you cut back to the infirmary where Croesus is talking. You know, he's talking to like a shadow. And Croesus is like, I know you would come for me. I know you come for me, Charlie. I know you come for me, Charlie. And this shape is this shadow is listening to him and you don't know who it is. And then you step forward and it's Ethan. And Ethan's like, you know, you're frightened of the wrong man. It's the wrong, <laughs> wrong guy you're you're scared of, and and uh, and then 
Croesus is like, I watched you kill a man and send another to death. Then Sharp says, Charles Forsyth is dead. <laughs> Just the way he utters that line. It's like, dude, yeah. no, it's so juicy. It's great. So juicy. It's great. But you, but you also get like, and now you get like that whole, the backstory of what happened and yeah. how, uh, you know, and, and, you know, Croesus is like, oh, you know, you took my life away from me. But then, you know, Ethan Sharp's like, you know, yeah, but you, you did easy time like who who do you think was looking out for you to make sure that you did easy time which you know okay on one hand but then so it's basically like sharp kind of justifying everything you know like yeah you took the fall for me but i i had your back the whole time yeah you get the sense that they that uh croesus witnessed ethan kill this guy and then ethan you know convinced croesus to help him cover it up by giving him easy time or maybe he promised something else um, you know, in this point and, 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 and Croesus goes, you know, Charlie's going to get you, Ethan and Croesus, uh, and he's like, just let me, let me go, please let me go. Just let me go at this point. And so Ethan walks over and, and this is really fucked up. He, uh, sharp Ethan squeezes the gun wound on Croesus's foot to make the blood just like bleed out. Yeah. And he's like, Oh, you're bleeding really bad. Croesus. Someone should look into that for you. And at the same time, Burke comes in and grabs Sharp, which is so great. And he just starts beating on Sharp, which is, I love it. And he says, to, he gives Croesus a gun. He goes, do you think you can make it? And Croesus is like, oh, I can make it. <laughs> Suddenly he's got <laughs> oh, this yeah, new energy, no like, let's here. get the fuck out of here, man. I love yeah. that scene because you're like, yeah, the good guys are going to win. Sort of. Cut back to the 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 outdoor grassy field where Lasagna and Rhino are. And you see the again from the gun tower, an unarmed machine gun suddenly has the the, the spirit arms the machine gun, which is a really cool scene where they yeah. it loads it up with bullets and starts just blasting everywhere. And this is a really fucked up scene where you're like no, because Rhino and Lasagna start running back into the prison uh, for yeah, safety. Yeah, back to the doors. Yeah, and Rhino pulls Lasagna back to basically shield him from getting shot, and Lasagna just gets pelted with guns. Yeah. Like straight up like total recall style. Like, I mean, it's like, it's like, he's got like 10, 15 squibs on him. He's just getting lit up. Yeah. And I guess there's, if you slow it down, you can see one of the squib bags fall out of his sleeve of his shirt, but like, who gives a shit? I love when people are like, look what I found. It was a mistake. The movie sucks now. Like, no, I just, I just love squibs and I specifically love explosive squibs. Yeah. Especially the kind that like Paul Verhoeven usually uses. So this, this had a, a Verhoeven vibe to it, which which I very very much enjoyed. Um, but now is when uh, Rhino is going to get his his come up. Oh yeah, Rhino's going to kiss. And I just want a side note. Yeah, I love squibs too, and I just really it kind of annoys me now that they use the CGI blood uh, in in movies because it looks so yeah. fake. But but at, but at the same time, I totally get it because yeah. you don't have to reset the the wardrobe and everything. Like you can you can do multiple takes uh, with the same wardrobe, whereas you know squibs literally just your wardrobe yeah pretty much yeah i totally get that too so yeah rhino yeah rhino leaves lasagna to get turned into lasagna and uh yeah. and he's running back to the cell door uh the, the the gate of the prison or the the main door to the inside of the prison yeah the, like the the inside main door not like the the gate main door yes yeah and as he's hustling back uh they close the door on him and he's like, come on, let me in, let me in. And and his little bitch, uh, you know, 
is is there and people are like come on man let him in and and he's like no fuck him you know and that's the only line that the kid has at all yeah you know yeah, and him. uh and 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 right after he says that a pickaxe from out of nowhere comes in and just sinks itself into rhino's chest and goes right. through the gate door and there's just blood dripping from it and the kid like looks up at it yeah because it like it blows through like his his back out of his chest and then through the wooden door but like like uh, uh four inches away from the kid's face which yeah. was just fantastic so yeah yeah rhino got it right there and the kid got his you know the kid the kid got his, you know. Yeah, kid got and his, got his great. retribution. He's 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 a yep. happy little camper now. <laughs> yep. So if you think about it too, now the prisoners are are still stuck inside the prison. So it's not yeah. like they all got out, and you know, people who maybe deserve to be in jail uh, could roam the streets. Like everyone's stuck in there. And yeah, in they're way, still I'm, in there essentially. Yeah. So like when this thing, if this thing ever does get resolved, these guys will get put back in jail basically but that's neither here nor there as well from there Croesus and burke are uh and sharp are making their way out of the prison and wallace carl wallace or sorry uh carl, carl the Horton, warden yeah carl Horton, yeah catches them and he's like everybody freeze you know put the gun down bah, 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 bah. and that's when uh he's you know says to tell he tells Burke to let Sharp go, but just Croesus just t- slowly turns around with his rifle and blasts Carl in the chest. And I was kind of shocked. I was like, oh, shit, you shot. He wasn't necessarily a bad guy. I mean, he didn't seem to be a bad guy, per se. He's just a, the warden, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, well, well, well Croesus had a, had a pistol. He had the warden's uh, uh, pistol. That's right. And the, uh, not, not the warden, the, the governor. And, uh, you know, of course, Sharp was like, shirt him, you know yeah. what I mean? And he shirt was like him. about to like, like do one of those moves where he was about to like hit, you know, Burke in the stomach and kind of like move, you know? Yeah. But, but that's when Croesus kind of like turned around and just plugged, plugged uh, the warden uh, with, with the uh, like six shots. I mean, blue, blue, blam, blam, blam. Blam, blam, blam. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but of course, of course, when they turn around to leave, uh, the warden, Carl, gets one shot in on, on Croesus, like in his back uh, shoulder blade area. But yeah. not, not enough to kill him right now. Not enough basically. to kill him. But now if you think about it, he, he got shot in the foot. So losing, losing a lot of blood. Losing a lot of blood through his foot. And now he's losing blood yeah. through his upper part of his body. So, you know, uh, so now he, he's injured and he's and they're trying to get out. And... Uh, Catherine shows up at the same time at the prison and drives in, but then she just get, she starts getting pelted from bullets from the machine gun and it's blowing up her, it's shooting the shit out of her car. Uh, but then she's driving around trying to avoid it. And then Burke sharp and Croesus see Catherine and she, she finds them. Find, I'm assuming finds a way that she's not getting shot at. And, uh, she gets out to help them get in the car and then, you know, uh, it's it's a moment where Sharp's like, you know, these men should be arrested. They should be thrown in. I think I think by the way, I think Lane Smith played Richard Nixon at one point because uh, in his <laughs> career because he could easily do a good Richard Nixon. He's like, hey, yeah. we've got to yeah. get them in. You've got to get rid- Charles Forsyth is dead. Uh, <laughs> I just love that line. And then um, 
And so she 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 decides to help them because she's in love with Burke and you know Chris is, is like the sweet old guy. So they get in the car and they start to drive out of the prison, but then the, the main door to the prison gate is closed. And uh Burke's like Burke realizes he's gotta climb up the tower to go uh, open up the door manually. And so climb up the tower via yeah. a barbed wire rope, essentially. Yes. Yeah. This is this to me. Okay. I like we're in full gore mode at this point. This is to me, one of the harshest scenes to watch Yeah, because yeah. the only way for him to get up the tower is by climbing a rope of barbed wire. Right. Like you said. Yeah. And it is, and this so is the second painful. movie. Yeah. This is the second movie that we've reviewed that has someone using barbed wire as rope, uh, see Cyborg. <laughs> yes, dude, totally, totally. Yo, though, gotta, gotta love that barbed wire. And uh, he's climbing the tower, screaming in pain, and you see <laughs> oh, God. his hands oh, God, look like shredded beef. Uh, it yeah. looks like something you get at a great taqueria in a taco. Like, the meat is just, I, like, coming off his hands. And then to add insult to injury, he gets shot in the leg by yeah. the ghost machine gun. It's like, come on, man, give me a chance. I know. I, I wrote. I wrote. He uh, Burke climbs climbs the barbed wire. Jesus, uh, as he gets shot. Oh shit! But he makes it to the top. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and as but unfortunately, it, when he makes it to the top, he's not done with his hands. Like no. he still has to open the gate and then get back down. So uh, I it reminded me of Django, the original Django movie, the. Uh, the 1970s spaghetti western Italian, where Django's hands get just shot to shit, and he's got to still got to use the gun, his guns at the end to kill the bad guys, and he, just like you see the flesh just hanging off, and you think about like when you get a paper cut, how much that hurts, yeah, or you get a blister, how much that hurts, or you stub your you know thumb on a hammer, how much that hurts. This is. One million times worse. And then he's got to crank the gate open and he's yeah. screaming as he does it. It's such a believable scene because you're just like, oh, my God, the pain, the pain. And I got to I got to say, uh, this is the moment that I think Kane Hodder was impressed by Vigo Mortensen because uh, Kane Hodder was the the stunt coordinator on all, all of this movie. He was the one driving the bus at the beginning, uh, you know, when Rabbit was driving it. Uh, he was the, the guard that fell off the top story or whatever. Um, but Kane Hodder said that. Uh, uh, and this is before he even played Jason, so that he wasn't really a uh, an actor stuntman at the time. Um, he said that he gave uh, Vigo one of his stuntman shirts, you know, to, after the movie was done because he was like, "You're one of the team now." And yeah. he was like, "Damn!" That, he was impressed. He was impressed by by Vigo Mortensen here. Yeah, you demand Vigo, and he is again like acting on par with uh, you know a legit caliber academy award-winning type film like he's so good in this and after he opens up the gate he's able to climb down uh from the tower and Catherine gets out of the car to go help him and as she does Croesus is holding his gun on ethan with this big smirk on his face and ethan sharp is looking at him and he just push grabs the gun out of Creases hand and then Creases just falls over like he's died at this point that was so freaking cool yeah. I didn't see that coming because you know they already like Creases was already like sort of like holding the gun on sharp you know at the beginning of all this and then you know the the scene you, at first you don't you, you do not realize that Creases yeah. is dead and it's it's when sharp has this like he's looking at Creases and then he you could the actor 
has this like look wash over his face where he's like, I don't think this guy's blinking. You know what I mean? Like, and then he basically, it's one of those things where he kind of just does slowly, you know, type of thing and just takes it. But yeah, like, like Croesus's like eyes and his face and like the way he is just stays that way as he falls over. And you realize that he had just kind of died in his seat quietly like that. And I was like, wow that was that was just like it like there's so many moments in this movie that didn't need to be as cool as it was yeah and that that it's a very subtle scene but it's so good and then that it 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 also creates a sense of danger because you're like oh no now sharp the hothead has the gun he gets out of the car and starts blasting at Catherine and burke uh, but then he runs out of bullets, which is great. I'm like, oh, cool. It's not one of those movies where it just keeps shooting and maybe he's going to hit yeah. Catherine in the leg or Burke one more time. Burke's already got a gunshot. And so he gets in the car. Sharp does. Sharp gets in the car and drives off. Catherine and Burke are left near the gate door. And Sharp is starting to drive away. And at that point, out of nowhere, Charles Forsyth in his electric chair, the big reveal, shoots out of the ground right in front of the car and it is this giant mass of a man which is Kane Hodder uh, yeah it's but- it's Kane Hodder it looks fantastic and and this is like Kane Hodder's first time like doing like makeup stuff and this uh was the reason he got Friday the 13th part 7 because the guy who directed Friday the 13th part 7 is a is a special effects guy and he was the special effects guy for this movie and that's this is directly how Kane Hodder became Jason. Oh, that's so cool. I didn't know that. That's a that's a that's a really fun fact. And, yeah. And he, by the and by the way, uh RIP to the to that gentleman. Um he passed away last year. I don't know his name off the top of my head, but uh the special effects guy, the guy who directed uh part seven, he passed away in two thousand nineteen. Oh bummer. Well he did great special effects in this as he, well. He did because Forsyth looked amazing. Yeah, he looks like and 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 you get the the the, the cover art of the the Blu-ray uh has him in all his glory on the front. And it's a really cool, like what I love about it is they don't show him for very long. So you don't get a chance to really analyze how good or bad the the detail is of the effects. It just looks great. And he's crazed. He's maniacal. It's, it's a spirit. It's like a screaming spirit. And all he does, not all he does, but what he ends up doing to, to sharp is he sends like shockwaves into the car, uh, lightning shockwaves and just blows up the car, just uh, annihilates it. Yeah, every like even he blows up like the whole thing because he's right in front of it. Like just everything just explodes. Yeah, it's awesome. It's I mean, so awesome. You couldn't ask for a better ending. No, and you didn't need like a you didn't need a, a any explanation because at this point it's like you, you never needed any explanation as to why no. he did what he did. You get you know why he did what he did, and so now sharp for all intensive purposes is charred to a crisp and you cut back to the prison uh kind of like from a extended shot and you see uh burke and Catherine escaping leaving the prison um and then and the daylight's coming up and and i like that it's like well you know what's going to happen they're, they're going to get away she's he'll probably end up going back to jail or maybe he'll get pardoned or who knows what but it, they're going to be fine they're going to be okay after what went down the guys who were in the prison are still trapped in there. They're not going to like, yeah. uh, they, they may find a way to get out, but shit's is going to get resolved sooner rather than later. 
Um, yeah. and, and so all these things will probably get wrapped up. You don't need explanation. But as the camera's panning away, you see the crucifix hanging on the barbed wire from yeah. the prison. And that's the final shot of the movie with this kind of eeriness about it. Like the, the music's very subtle. Cue back to Richard Band's amazing score. And you you roll the credits. And that's prison. Um, to me... It is a awesome slice of 80s fun horror gore. Uh, it checks off 99, I think 100% of the boxes for pad because, you know, there's Wallace reading the smut mag, so you've got a little bit of boobage <laughs> in there. Uh, but I love this movie. I'm curious to hear your kind of final thoughts. I thought this movie is the perfect definition of pleasantly surprised. I I enjoyed every bit of it. If it turned out to have just been a prison exploitation movie, I probably would have liked that too because I liked everything they were giving me prison-wise and the supernatural stuff was just the icing on the cake. I think the the score was fantastic. I think the the visuals like the cinematography was great. The directing was was very very competently done for his second like movie and his basically his first like mainstream budget movie he even talks Rennie Harlan even talks about like on set he's like you know that like this was so big that like they had call sheets and I'm like he's like I don't even know what this is like because his <laughs> first movie was was in Finland and it was uh, a, a little low budget thing and he was living out of his car in Los Angeles you know uh, yep. before he got this so I, I I've always liked Rennie Harlan and I think this is a great example of, of how great of a director he is and under appreciated but but truly truly the like what really makes this movie stand out what really makes this movie something special is how well it treats all the characters and like the stereotypes that it sort of bucks and that it sort of like sort of you know spins and twists around and stuff and of course it does hit some stereotypes right on the nose but it's okay because the actor who's playing it is doing a great job this movie i cannot recommend it highly enough like it's just uh, i would even say if you've never even seen it i would even say that it's worth owning on blu-ray because i think the blu-ray is like 13 bucks or something uh, off of amazon yeah it was 15 um, like, bucks guys nothing. like that's like less that's like about as much as like a, a movie uh, you know going to see a movie in the theater like I would honestly say just buy it. If you, this sounded any of interest to you, just buy it. It's so good. I am going to rewatch it. Yeah, I am going to have it proudly displayed in my collection. I am going to sing its praises from the mountaintops. <laughs> um, so far, I mean, I've enjoyed every movie that you've shown me. Um, I liked, you know, I really enjoyed Exterminator, but I think for me, this one's probably up there with Tough Turf, like the two biggest like sort of surprises that I've had so far on, on this show. And, maybe i'm easy to please i I don't know i mean is that a bad thing i I don't know but like this was freaking fucking awesome bro i I can't even i i can't when i texted zach after the whole thing i i literally like when i said i love this movie i did like a thousand o's you know (laughs) type of thing i just i can't guys i guys i love this movie prison it's fucking awesome. It really fucking is. And like the Blu-ray is totally worth it because like 40 minutes, it has a great documentary. So many yeah. fucking people that they talk to in this movie. It is a crime that this movie is as underrated and, and undersupported as it is. So that that's it. I got nothing else I can possibly add to that. Who knows what happened to Rennie Harlan and why 
he doesn't get the recognition for his films that quite honestly he deserves because yeah, he's done some movies that have been stinkers, but this one is not one of those movies. No, this, this one is, is anything but yeah, this, in my opinion too, uh, it's, it's one of the, it's, it's a highlight film of the eighties where, you know, I, I personally, when I pick movies, I'm like, I want to make sure it checks all the boxes for our show, but I'm also at the same time too. I want to try to surprise you with something maybe you've never seen before. I hope that that's my intention going in. And so when you told me you hadn't seen it, I'm like, Ooh, okay. So, and then again, my hindsight, I hadn't seen this movie in maybe 20 years. I'm like, I wonder if it still holds up. Go on Amazon. It's like you said, 15 bucks, but it's, it's the DVD and the Blu-ray, so you get like two for whatever reason. Some people don't have DVD players, that's cool. Or you watch it on your computer or something. And then I watched it and I'm like, whoa, this movie still totally holds up. Like it mm-hmm. there there's nothing cheesy or hokey about it. And it's such a uh timeless story because prisons prisons haven't changed that much in the past 20 years so you're not looking at something going like oh this is so outdated now there's nothing outdated about this movie and the soundtrack is is so it's so classy like it has synthesizer elements to it but it also has an orchestra element to it it's it it felt very methodical like thought out and the fact that you talked about how the aliens was an influence on that shows in the in the score and why not do an homage to one of the greatest movies of all time uh yeah you know like when people go like oh that's a rip off of this is it a rip off or is it a, is it being inspired by like i feel like this was inspired by yeah i would say this soundtrack is inspired by yeah. versus like like rip off and and like anything that we said negative about this uh, honestly the only two spots that i would say are like how it sh- treats the prison it doesn't like go uber realistic uh on how they treat like sort of how the prison workings go it doesn't matter like it, it doesn't hold it no. back and then the whole thing about them sort of switching burke you know what his character was you know it again it, it having it be more Im- ambiguous uh it still works just as fine it works yeah. just as fine nothing holds back the enjoyment of this film at all if anything if anything those little weird inconsistencies just add to the charm of the film you know yeah i totally agree it's uh it's a low budget horror film so that going that in, doesn't feel low budget at all no it doesn't feel low budget at all but but just you know when someone says oh th- this is a low budget horror film i think you you automatically get away with certain things that be like okay that's no big deal because it's a low budget horror film this movie you look at and go whoa this this does they they've spent there's so much love on this movie and it's a damn shame that it never got a theatrical release probably because the fact that it's called prison, which is a terrible name for a movie. And the fact that the company empire pictures went belly up right before it was supposed to get released. So that happened and it went straight to video. Uh, I would love, I would love for this to get more love than it's getting, you know, every year the arrow theater, which is in Santa Monica does a, is a all night horror thon where they show like eight, six, seven or eight, Uh, horror films from like seven till seven and um they're always asking for new submissions because every year they do totally different movies they never repeat a film 
And every year I'm saying, you got to show prison. And every time I put that up on their message board on Facebook or whatever, people are like, Ooh, yeah, prison's cool. Yeah. Like prison's a good movie. I'm like, yeah, it's a really good movie. It's not one of those laughing, laugh. Your, it's more of like, Whoa, shit. What did I just watch? Yes. So I'm glad you loved it. I loved it. I still love it. Those of you that are listening, I hope you love it as much as we did, because um, if not, we'll, we'll have to fight you in a prison. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah, Just kidding. Let, let us know. Let us know what you all think on social media. Let us know if you've seen the movie uh, or if we just listened to the episode or whatever. Um, or let us know what your experience was with prison growing up. Not with the actual prison system, but uh, <laughs> but I mean this movie. Um, but uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun, and and we hope that you guys uh, enjoy it. And we, you know, honestly, I kind of hope that some of you guys go out and pick it up and, and give this movie some some love and, and make the make the algorithm uh, uh, you know favor this film when, when it comes to stuff like the Arrow Theater, you know, picking it and stuff like that. So let's uh, let's let's all do that collectively and try to bring this movie back to. To, to you know something special because it really is it is a special awesome movie i loved it i absolutely loved it so, yeah dude and that's i mean i can't really say anything else about it i will definitely be watching this movie again i freaking loved it so zach my man good pick as always and Ooh. as always i have not picked my next movie yet so i'm gonna start thinking about that uh you know today so we'll figure that out soon um but we have you know we have plenty of time and stuff yeah. to edit this damn thing so <laughs> <laughs> but uh but zach my man where can we find you out there in the world on social media and everything oh find me on instagram at zach schaefer uh and on twitter at zach schaefer vo and find me on my other podcast uh, that I equally hold as near and dear to my heart is this one, $2 Late Fee. Just go to $2LateFee.com, T-W-O. Uh, and yeah, we have a good time there. Where can yeah. we find you, Sakori? <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, and by the way, real quick, I, I do love $2 Late Fee. I say it every time. Uh, it's it's If you guys like what we do here, it's kind of like the other side of that coin. They talk about the other movies that are a bit more uh, pal- pal- palatable uh, to, to the mainstream, I guess. Uh, but, uh, you know, whereas, whereas we're like Krampus. We're like the dark shadow of, uh, of $2 Late Fee. Yes, yes. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you can find me out there. Uh, I'm most active on Instagram, so you can always find find me and hit me up and talk to me um, at Corey Nation. And I'm also on the podcasting after dark Instagram. And so is Zach. And if you guys like you guys leave a, a comment on any of our stuff, we always get back to you. We always reply. So we're, we're both very communicative on there. And then podcast wise, you guys know by now you can find me on Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. You can find me on ongoing comic book discussion podcast. And this one, as well as those other two, and as well as Friday Five, as well as Blast from Our Past podcast, they can all be found on the BFOPnetwork.com. So basically, every podcast has its own little page there. So if any of them sound interesting to you, you can go in, uh, just go straight to BFOPnetwork.com. That's BFOPnetwork.com. And you can just find whichever podcast you think sounds cool, and then you can just click on the uh, 
the podcatcher link. So everything is all there. And then if you want to go to our podcast, uh, our website, you can go there and stuff. You can basically find everything through that. Um, but please, guys, please continue to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts uh, because that is still the most popular podcatcher, although I think Spotify is really quickly blowing up. But uh, rating and reviewing us five stars, it's it's not a vanity thing. It's actually how you know uh, iTunes, Apple Podcasts uses its algorithm to, to, to basically have us show up in front of people's eyes, new people during their searches and stuff like that. So if you like what we do, please consider taking them a moment to, to leave a message uh, or leave a review. And if you like what we do, we have so much more over on our Patreon page. Like this is literally just half of podcasting after dark is, is this the other half is Patreon. You can find all the regular episodes. They're all ad free. Uh, I usually drop them early on the Patreon page. You can also find two episodes, extra shows uh wrap up after dark zach and i just have a good time talking about things and then interviews after dark uh which is our interview show and we have some oh goodness guys we've got some big names coming at you so um please give us some support over there uh every you know every penny goes back into the podcast um zach has for the interviews zach has to like rent studio space and stuff so you know the 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 it does there is a cost you know to running the podcast and the patreon helps essentially keeping the lights on so if if you like what you do uh, if you like what we do you know please consider uh dropping us a couple a couple dollars over there and uh, it would really help us out but uh and we we're we're hoping to become we're hoping to become more mobile in, in 2020, and Zach and I would like to start getting to, to horror conventions and whatnot and meeting people, and then ultimately we want to have like a, an actual booth at a horror convention where we record uh, a podcast from, and then ultimately we want to do live shows. So we, we have things that we want to do. We are not going anywhere. We, we have big plans for the podcast. We love doing it, um, and but we're going to grow as fast as we can basically financially grow. So uh, if you guys like what we do, Please consider supporting us. I concur. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you do. All right. Well, Zach's got to get out. Uh, so we hope you guys enjoyed the episode. It's one of our shorter ones, but that's just because there wasn't really anything to shit on about this movie. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's still so good. two hour, two and a half hours long. Exactly. So we will catch you guys on the flip. Peace. Join the Podcasting After Dark Patreon community to unlock exclusive monthly content like cast interviews and a fan feedback show. Plus, you get every regular episode of Podcasting After Dark completely ad-free. You can also support the show by rating and reviewing us five stars on Apple Podcasts and by recommending us to your friends. Finally, make sure you follow us on Reddit. Instagram, and Facebook for news and updates about future episodes. Just search for Podcasting After Dark. I'm Adam. And I'm Corey. And we are the hosts of Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. We are breaking down every single episode of Seinfeld as we watch it, reliving this amazing show. That's right. It's a trip down memory lane for all of us 90s kids out there. You can find Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and Patreon. La la la. 